Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome in as we are rolling along on a Monday night. We are live here on Hoopsville from the WBCA NABC studios. Thanks to our partners at D3Hoops.com and, of course, Huddle Blue Frame Technology as well, along with the Women's Basketball Coaches Association and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. If you have a question for us live or even when we're not live, you can email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can join us on Twitter. I'm s- let me rephrase the email. It's hoopsville at d3sports.com. Hoopsville at d3sports.com. Twitter is at d3hoopsville along with hashtag hoopsville. You can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. We're live simulcasting the show. We'll try and also listen or pay attention to any questions you may send other than through the show um, broadcast. You can also uh, listen to the simulcast at, D- at YouTube, youtube.com slash d3hoopsville. That's the ways you can uh, interact. We hope you'll take advantage of them and ask us questions, ask our guests questions. We'll quickly talk about our guests coming up because they're kind of important. Uh, We have, uh, in order, we'll have DeSales' Fred Richter, the women's basketball coach, joining us. Then we'll listen or hear from Ohio Northern's Mark uh, Hausman. He'll join us to talk about what is going on in all the land, uh, at least in Ohio Northern land, that is. Uh, then we will talk to, uh, we'll go back to men's basketball. Johns Hopkins' Josh Leffler will join us, now ranked eighth in d3hoops.com. Uh, then we'll go back to women's basketball. Roger Williams' Kelly Thompson will join us to talk about her squad and how well they are playing this season in the Triple C and how the Triple C is also growing. Uh, then we'll switch gears back to men. We'll go out to Oshkosh, Wisconsin to talk to Matt Lewis about his uh, team and how they're doing this season. And then, of course, they're nationally ranked as well, moved up to 18 in the poll, or 17. i got to go double-check that. I could be darn wrong. And then uh, Whitman's John Lamana will join us to talk about his team. Women's poll has been posted. We'll update our uh, information. Ohio Northern is now down to number 11. When that, when that uh, segment airs, you're going to see a, a little bit of a, uh, a dated there, but um, they only fell one slot. And I, listen, they're playing Baldwin-Wallace. They've now split with Baldwin-Wallace. Both games have been nip and tuck tight. The second one was overtime. Not surprised they fell just a spot. That, I think that's good voting by the voters. Baldwin-Wallace was technically behind them. So by virtue of the poll, it's a, it's considered an upset. And so you, you'd expect Baldwin-Wallace probably moved up, but Ohio Northern moved down. So congratulations, um, I, seriously, to the voters, because I think they handled that one pretty much on the nose. Uh, for that so both polls are out now uh really no changes at the top in women the top nine remain the same uh ohio northern and ithaca swap spots baldwin wallace leaped up from 19 to 12 so they're right behind ohio northern split by three votes total points i should say three points um then you had Messiah fall, uh, move up two spots. I apologize. They're up to 13th from 15th. Gustavus Adolphus jumped seven from 21 up to 14. Trine moved up three. I, I feel like Trine's just sitting there floating. I, I mean, they righted the ship a little bit, but uh, Whitewater's up uh, four spots. Those are the two five-loss teams in the ballot. Of three, there's another we'll get to in a moment. Babson fell three spots. Chicago fell five. Uh surprises me a little that they fell five spots i mean i know they lost to nyu but nyu's ranked ahead of them said that so i just complimented the voters now i'm a little miffed you had them behind nyu by voting you're saying there's no way that you do not expect 
Chicago to win. So I'm a little surprised they fell five spots. Uh, Trinity, Connecticut fell seven spots. Wartburg moved up four to 20. Puget Sound fell five from 16 to 21. Um, you might remember they lost to Pacific um, over the weekend, their last game, in fact. Wash U stayed at 22. Calvin moved from 17 down to 23. Uh, they lost two games to Hope and Trine. Again, voted ahead of them. Now, that one's a tough one. They lost two games, so I can see voters going no, but then they lost to two teams that are ranked ahead of them. Hmm, that's a tough one to kind of gauge. And granted, some teams move around them. Uh, Loris is into the poll, so is Milliken on the women's side. Laverne and Rochester fell out. On the men's side, no changes in the top six. Wheaton went from 7 to 8, Hopkins 8 to 9, Swarthmore 9 to 10, Oswego 10 to 11. Calvin moved from 11 to 13. Middlebury, who has now lost, what was my note, uh, two of their last three, um, fell. Two of their last three, of course, losses to Wesley and beat uh, Trinity Connecticut, but only in overtime, and then lost to Connecticut College, who absolutely got spanked by Williams in their next game. Uh, so Middlebury fell five spots to 12. St. Tom- Thomas, Texas moved down a spot, but it's everybody shuffling. They did not play this week. Guilford stayed at 14. Williams stayed at 15. Hampton, Sydney moved up a spot to 16. Uh, Oshkosh moved up two spots to 17. Claremont, Mud Scripps stayed at 18. Mary Harden Baylor moved up from 22 to 19. WPI stayed at 20. Um, I'm not voting for I'm just not buying into the engineers, and maybe I'm the only one. They're on a three-game losing or winning streak, though. Uh, Case Western Reserve popped back into the top 25 with a sweep of the weekend uh, and looking really good. Absolutely handled Emory on Sunday. Uh, they go up to 21st. Uh, Wash U fell from 16 to 22. Barry fell, uh, moved up two spots to 23. Trine moved down three to 24. And Pomona Pitzer's into the t- poll at number 25. Rowan fell out doing part to their miraculous loss to TCNJ, which we showed you the other day. And Emory fell out. can understand Emory falling out. Uh, Rowan is now sitting uh, in the first receiving votes category. They are 16 points behind Pomona Pitzer. So interesting developments all around, to say the least. Um, We are two weeks, two weeks only, away from the end of the regular season. It will all come to an end in two weeks' time. Two weeks from this moment, we will be talking about who's in the who made the NCAA tournaments and who missed out, if there's any surprises there. We'll also be talking about, we'll start pivoting our focus and start looking at um, how those tournaments will progress. We'll do our more preview show on Thursday that week, but that Monday is our first chance to look at, to break down, to analyze, to understand the um, brackets as they have been released. So that is literally two weeks from this very moment. We will be talking about that. There's a fortnight left. Um, Sunday, obviously, will be when the last games take place. And so there's a lot to get through. Uh, We supersized tonight's show. As you heard, there were six guests listed. I didn't mention. We'll also have the top 25 uh, on the men's side double take with um, Ryan, uh, Ryan Winnable and Akiva Poppers. Um, Thursday, the reason we supersize tonight, and we may supersize next Monday. Monday, I'm still kind of toying with what I want to do, but uh, we'll we'll get probably both men's and women's um, top 25 double takes on next Monday. But I wanted to supersize it because on Thursday, remember, we will not be um, doing the broadcast, uh, our traditional broadcast. 
Um, we will be the um, new site for the, or yeah, I guess it's a new site. They did it on NCA.com, and this year they're doing it on our, on our website. It'll be the top 16 seeds announcement based on the week two regional rankings. Um, as a result of that, uh, we don't, we're not going to have a chance to really talk to any guests as of right now, though I'm, I'm certainly I'm, I'm fiddling with that, as it were. I, I haven't completely sold myself to that. But again, the top 16s will be on our air uh, exclusively here on Hoopsville, thanks to the committees who decided to move them to Hoopsville. So the top 16 seeds, the Division Three men's and women's seeds, will be announced here on Hoopsville on Thursday. That's at 7 o'clock. You'll see it right here. Looking forward to that. And actually, I grabbed the wrong graphic there. Let's see if we can uh, quickly change it to the one that has just a wee bit more information for you. So that makes uh, a, a bit more sense. I just got to find it, so bear with me, folks. I may not find it. That might be the version we're going to have to stick with for now, even though I do know there's another version of it. <laughs> um, let's go with this one and see if that – yep, there it is. There we go. So Thursday, the 16th of February, 7 o'clock Eastern time, we will be not only debuting uh, who those top 16 seeds are on the men's and women's side, we'll hear from both committee chairs as well. Um, we'll also get a breakdown from our group uh, of experts, per se, on those decisions. And remember, this is going to be w- based on Week two's regional rankings, which are through Sunday's games, yesterday, if you're listening to us live. Um, and those, as a result of that, um, things can change. So Week two's regional rankings, the first one will come out on the men's side on tomorrow, Tuesday, and then the women's will come out on Wednesday. I had a random theory that I've had absolutely zero time to chase down and figure out, but I, I both rankings yes, uh, last week came out after 4 o'clock, despite the men's committee getting it to them at 12.30 Eastern time. It came out after 4 Eastern. The women got it to them around 1.30 Eastern, and it came out after 4 Eastern. And I'm wondering if that was actually purposely done and no one relayed that information to those who needed to know it. Um, so we'll look into that. I do wonder if maybe that'll help us understand what we're looking for from now on. Uh, but we'll also try and maybe get a better sense of when they'll come out. But the, again, men's racks met today on Monday. The National Committee will meet on Tuesday. They will release their regional rankings. Women are Tuesday racks, Wednesday national, release of their rankings Wednesday. And then Thursday, on this show, you will see the top 16 seeds as if the committee committees went through the work and designated who would be hosting if they had everything. In other words, we're not worried about men's and women's, um, uh, who has the right to host. We're not worried about geography. We're not worried. It's based strictly on the regional rankings. Who are the top 16 ranked teams and would be the top 16 seeds if a tournament were to be held this week? We'll go through the permutations about how some of those won't happen. Like if we have both Christopher Newport in both polls or both Oshkoshes in both of those seeding systems, whatever. Well, the women have priority in this first uh, weekend, so the men would automatically travel. Where they would travel would be de- would be determined. Um, but we'll talk all about that with the committees and our, our breakdown of folks. But again, remember, that we're going to get a, a week three regional rankings next week. Followed by a whole other set of, uh, really two set more rankings, which we finally see the final ones, before the bracket is is debuted. So the top 16 is going to be fun. It's going to be great. It's going to give us a real sense 
with 10 days left in the regular season, where everybody stands at least in the top 16 and, and who's best positioned maybe to host all the way to the final fours. But a, a lot can change, and we'll talk about that on Thursday. But as a result of that, we're going to have a supersized show here tonight. Um, before we get too farther into the show, we've been having some bonkers, amazing video of late. And uh, this one came to us this time from Elmhurst, where North Park and Elmhurst were having a dandy of the game. They're in the they're just about to start the second overtime. And forgive me, uh, the video does not look right to me, so I'm double checking that we are set up properly here. Um, I hope I didn't screw up somehow my video. I don't think I have, but we're going to take it anyway here and see what happens. Um, the oh, there we go. Yep, just had it queued wrong. The Game is just starting the second overtime. It is tied at 80 apiece. The tip has just happened, and, and Elmhurst has the ball, and then this happens. Key at the top of the key. This is Pearson underneath, and a, oh, backward shattered on the uh, dunk by Ocean Johnson. Yeah, Ocean Johnson uh, brought the house down, or at least brought the rim and backboard down. Check it out again on the replay. Yep, slammed it home and brought the rim down along with breaking the glass. Unbelievable what happened there. Now, many have speculated, and I'll admit, it even looked like to me when I was looking at the video that the rim was already previously bent um, before this all kind of transpired. And so, in other words, it had broken previously. I actually took the time and went and looked and... At a previous dunk, at least according to the box score, the play-by-play, what appears to be the previous dunk, and it looks like it took place early in the second half. If there was another one and I missed it, so be it. But I did a search of the of the box score, and that's the last one. It was labeled dunk, and it was it was on a steal in the backcourt. Um, Elmer's got it clean, easy dunk. The rim didn't seem to have any issues. It seemed to bounce back the way it should, and I looked at it after, and it seemed to be in position. So if something took place at another time, I, I, I wasn't going to go through the whole game trying to figure that out. Um, anyway, he brought it down. What's impressive is, and apparently the CCIW has a rule about this, every team, every school has to have a back, a back up, back board, which they did. 90-minute delay to clean all up the glass, by the way, great that Osha Johnson didn't get cut up in that. That does happen. Um, to get the old backboard down, to get the new backboard up, and to restart that second overtime, which Elmer's ended up losing, um, which was unfortunate for them. Um, great game in the CCIW again. But, yeah, brought the house down, brought the rim down, brought the backboard down, did Mr. Johnson. Um, hats off to him that again, I, I'm, I am curious and I, I haven't been had enough time to do the research. If maybe they thought there was a defect in somehow during the game in that rim that caused that to happen. Cause it certainly looked like a pretty innocent dunk and that's not to knock the dunk. The dunk was pretty fun, pretty spectacular to watch. It's just, I'm wondering if something was physically broken that didn't allow the rim to break like it normally does. Those are breakaway rims. They're designed to break so that that doesn't happen. And it looked like that didn't break. It stayed stiff. And as a result, Ocean Johnson ends up snapping the backboard in the process of that. By the way, uh, I'm not sure if I can get it called up. Um, yeah, I may, I can. Watch the official. Actually, let me see if I can um, move the time frame here a little bit here. Look at the official's reaction Oh, you know what I'm going to do? Uh, the audio is just a little loud, but I'm going to get to the replay of this. Watch watch the official. Um, hold on. I apologize. Trying to get to where we want to be here. Here we go. 
Watch the official in the background on this. Um, his reaction. He's on the baseline. Oh, this is just after it's happened. Sorry, that's just after it's happened. Uh, we didn't get it far enough. Watch this again. He's the one who came out on the floor. Oh, I had it all wrong. I apologize. I don't know why that um, did that. Try one more time. Why not? Ah, it doesn't like me. Doesn't like me. Forget it. We're, we're, I'm sorry. The ref in the background was funny. He, he just had this look, just kind of looking at the floor with a smirk on his face, like, you got to be kidding me. Oh, uh, you know what? Maybe I should do something about that. Um, uh, anyway, heck of a, heck of a, bre and literally seconds into the second overtime, 90 minute delay. Hats off to getting it done and getting the game in because that can be a nightmare and all of that. All right, so let's remind our guests coming up on tonight's show, if you're watching us live especially. Uh, coming up at uh, first will be Fred Richter from the Sales Women's Basketball. We'll talk to the uh, Bulldogs uh, group. Uh, then we'll talk to Mark uh, Hausman from Ohio Northern. Then we'll talk men's basketball with Josh Leffler at Johns Hopkins. Back to women's basketball with Kelly Thompson at Roger Williams. Then back to men's basketball, Matt Lewis at Wisconsin Oshkosh and John Lamana at Whitman. And then we'll have our top 25 double take. That will be with Ryan Winnable and Akiva Poppers talking about their thoughts on their uh, debatable team, their dubious team, their deep dive team. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC studios. When we come back, we talk Bulldog basketball with the sales. These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. Got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships, and we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin, nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. 
It's on us, all of us, to stop, stop sexual, sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Still haven't figured out how the audio for those or the video comes over. I don't know. It's, they've changed something. We never figured it out, but we hopefully will soon. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsil, hashtag Hoopsil. Email us, Hoopsil at D3Sports.com. You can also join us on Facebook and YouTube where we're live simulcasting the show. Facebook.com slash Hoopsil, D3Hoops, uh, YouTube.com slash D3Hoopsil. Those are your two uh, avenues to tune in. We're also going to try and watch the uh, YouTube or the Facebook chat like Messenger, if it is if it's needed. Uh, Blazer Bobcat always listens to the show in Albany, Georgia. Appreciate it, sir. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, quick reminder, this is our fundraising time as well. Merchandise, if you want to buy a shirt, you have until the end of the night, Friday, this Friday, February 17th. We put a bunch of links on our social medias. Forgive us, our Tucker. you got to be quiet. He's in the background trying to uh, get out. Uh, apparently, everybody had to leave upstairs, so they left me with the, with the puppy. So forgive the uh, screaming and yelling and, cr and crying and all that in the backdrop. So, uh, again, back to shirts. They're available on all our social medias. We have a bunch of links. We'll send out more here throughout the show. You want to buy a shirt? Order it by the end of the night's Friday so you can get it during the NCAA tournament. Uh, we have some new selections on there, long sleeve, etc. Uh, we also have our fundraiser. We've sent out a bunch of tweets with that. We'll send out more tonight. We have raised a smidge under $2,000. Our initial goal is $5,000. Our, our big goal is to double that goal. Uh, so far, we're really not making much headway, but any help you can give us, you can also donate through Venmo. If you'd like to find another way, whether it's through your bank, through Zelle, or you want to uh, mail us a check, contact me and I'll get you all of that information. DeSales women's basketball, consistently one of the best teams in all the land. It just seems to be one of those things that DeSales does so well with Fred Richter. Um, he makes sure that his team is competitive, and he makes sure that his team is in the fight, not only in the conference, but in the national conversation. Talk more about it. Joining us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline, it is the aforementioned Fred Richter. Coach, first and foremost, congratulations on another bonkers great season. Thank you. Appreciate it very much, and I'm glad to be on the show. I appreciate it. I always, I always try and figure out, when do I want to talk to you? Oh, do I want to talk to you early in the season? That means we can't talk to sales the rest of the year. Do we want to wait in the middle, find a sweet spot? I decided this year we'll wait a little bit later, not to the end but almost there. Um, first and foremost, what's the secret in the sauce that makes you and your program so consistently good in what is an ever-changing Mac Freedom, an interesting region to say the least, but also from a national perspective, this isn't an easy thing to do, sir. Well, um, I really try to recruit young ladies that are here for the right reasons and their students first and athletes second. And I find that they become very, very... Um, pliable in respect to what we want to get done. And what we want to get done is, and, I, and again, I try to recruit young ladies that are athletic. We like to press, we like to run. And uh, when I'm able to put together a group of young ladies like that, we do very well. Now, we've had a tremendous run over the last five years. I'm very proud of the young ladies and, and what they've made our program. Well, yeah, you've had an incredible run. That's kind of saying it lightly to some degree. Uh, <laughs> you're having another tremendously great season. You're ninth ranked and and the latest top twenty five, staying pretty consistent in that. When looking at your team in in totality, twenty two and one, uh, thirteen and one in conference play. Your only blemish to a pretty good Stevens squad, who you only lost to forty nine forty eight. Of course, at their place. 
Uh, you uh, have a chance to avenge that, which is why we have you on coming up on Wednesday. Uh, tell me a little bit about the season from a from a macro sense. How how has the team been doing this year? How have things been going from your perspective? From my perspective, it, it's been a, a growth experience. Uh, our journey has included a, uh, a an exchange student from Ireland who we had no clue that was coming and all of a sudden was in our lap. <laughs> and uh, found out that she's playing for the the, the under twenty national team, and she's athletic, and she's six foot one, and she can run the floor, and and uh, she's a lot of fun to coach. And uh, it, it it's been um, our job to find out the best way to make her and Michaela Reese work uh, together, which is easy. They're both unselfish. Uh, they're both pretty good with the ball. Probably even better defensive players than they are offensive players, which sort of fits uh, what we're trying to get done. And at their size, it means that they. They can guard and block shots as well. So, uh, you, you know, we're, we're really blessed with them. We're also um, trying to make sure that our guards continue to grow. Uh, and one young lady who has just taken off is Meg Beeler. She is, has always been our best defensive wing player. This year, she not only is that, but she's just filling in lanes and, and getting the ball off of steals and breaks and uh, running our dribble handoff series right to the rim. Uh, she scores a lot of layups because she's so darn fast and uh, her strides are so long and it's just a focused young lady. Uh, our, our point guard's a, a four-year point guard. Her backup is a four-year backup. Our <laughs> other wings uh, are uh, very uh, talented offensive players that have uh, become very good defensive players. It, it, it's a nice mix for us right now. Yeah, no, quickly, I want to go back to uh, Abigail Rafferty, who you mentioned, uh, the, the surprise study abroad uh, Irish lad. As as an I- somewhat Irish myself, 50% good honor. Uh, I absolutely love this fact. Um, the note I've got, getting better every week, adjusting the American game versus the game overseas. I'll get back to that in a minute. 8.6 points per game, 7.3 rebounds, and two blocks per contest. What is what is the difference that she's adjusting to between the American game and, and the game that she's so used to over in Ireland? Well, first of all, on, on the national team, she actually is the three player, and we're using her primarily as the five. Oh, okay. uh, they actually have some bigger bigger young ladies, and she's sure. uh, athletic enough to run a wing. And if you watched our game against Immaculata, she made a, uh, a run for a layup on the left-hand side in the second half that uh, – uh, it's hard to believe that she got there so quickly. The young lady has some speed. Uh, the other thing that she has to get used to is there is a difference in play. Uh, and she knows that we, uh, I kid her that uh, she sets European screens. In other words, moving screens. So, uh, and, you, <laughs> and you know what that's like in D3 hoops. Yeah, you don't no. set a moving screen. You don't no. breathe the wrong way with certain officials. And I, and that, that's the same for all of us. So she's had, had to learn to do that. And, and the, the hands-off stuff. That has become a big part of D three women's basketball. Yeah. You got to play defense with your feet, and uh, and she's capable. I mean, she has a, she has some quick feet, and she has good speed, and and she has um, her wingspan is good, and she doesn't have to touch people anymore. So she's really made a, a quick adjustment. She really that's has. A, that's cool to hear. Uh, you're talking about Beeler, thirteen and a half points a game. She's eleventh in the country in steals, um, second on the team in assists, third in rebounding. Um, usually takes on the best wing. You talked about her. Just some notes that we have on her. Michaela Reese, by the way, um, a reigning defensive 
um, Player of the Year in the MAC Freedom. She was a preseason All-American. We just, you know, we're just mentioning her. That's the wealth of talent you have. You have a preseason All-American, plus you have these other two or three or four. She's averaging 11.5, 6.6 rebounds, 2.6 steals, 2.6 blocks. Okay, she's not too bad herself. And there's others. There's Lindsey Welsh. There's all these other great players on this team. There's a lot of depth. Is this one of your deeper teams? I'm, I'm used to you having a couple of good players, but it seems like you might be deeper in terms of the top talent. We are deeper this year. There's no doubt about it. Um, and uh, the uh, three or four young ladies that come off the bench in every game, and usually by the end of the first quarter, um, handle the roles extremely well. Um, Liv Scotty comes off as a 5'10 forward, and uh, and she can shoot the outside shot and uh, and just plays awfully hard and, and rebounds uh, very well, despite the, some stronger young ladies that uh, she has to tangle with. Uh, Lindsay Welsh has turned into a great shooter this year and an even better defender than she was last year. I'm just real pleased with her her progress. And Amelia Saunders, the same thing. She, uh, she has become a very, very accomplished uh, young lady at the wing. Um, our backup point guard and her roommate, Maria Newsom, the starter, uh, they're attached to the hip. Uh, they they, they complement each other very well at practice and at game time. And it's a, it's a joy to be around them. It really is. They're, they're a lot of fun. They work hard at practice. Uh, they, they do the right thing in the classroom. Um, I, I just, I'm really enjoying myself. Yeah, well, you're in your 33rd season, and I would say, and this is no knock on any other interview I've had with you, you definitely seem more um energized you, you see especially late in the year that's not easy to do this team seems to be driving on a different ship you, you've gotten the ncaa tournament 11 times you won the conference title 10 times you're on your way for a 12th trip to the ncaa title and certainly hoping for an 11th title does is there something we talked about the depth but is there something different other than the depth about this team that that has so many people excited well uh we have seven freshmen, and they have been taken under the wing of the upperclassmen, and only one of them is getting some time, in that, and that's Michaela Dunmoyer, uh, Michaela Lee, and, and she's an awfully good player. Uh, but the freshmen started playing together in our scrimmage situations, and they have, uh, they've come about, um, they've really come on strong. It's making us better in practice. The neat thing about it all is they, they like each other. They do things together. They live together. When we do things, uh, whether it be sports psychology or community service or whatever, uh, they want to be there. It's a joy to, to watch them interact. They have great senses of humor. They, they get the old guys sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> I ask them to uh, take my things home that I tell them. and ask their, I don't even ask them to ask their parents. I ask them to ask their grandparents if they remember what I just tried to say. <laughs> and they get, a, they get a huge kick out of that uh, because I, I, I span a few generations. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Seven hundred or six hundred thirty-four wins. You have a winning percentage of se- nearly seventy-two percent. Uh, tenth in the mo- in active coaching in terms of of success. Does do, I don't want don't take this the wrong way. Does it get old? Is, is there anything about this not still excite you, or is are we going to see you back? This is thirty-three years. Are we going to see you back for a thirty-fourth, a thirty-fifth, etc.? You certainly will. Awesome. Um, I, I want it that way. My wife wants it that way. I, I can be a pain in the neck. <laughs> she wants you home, out so. of the house. <laughs> yeah, she pushes me towards the gym once in a while. Pushes me towards my bicycle once in a while. Uh, she likes she likes the active uh, Fred. She does, and yeah. uh, and I, I I'm just enjoying 
enjoying watching these young ladies progress uh, as a team. It, it, it's been a lot of fun. Hey, you got a big game coming up with Stevens coming up here on Wednesday. Um, you've got a lead in the conference, we should point out, um, over Misericordia and Arcadia and Kings, but you're tied with Stevens. This is a big game. If you want home court advantage, you, not only do you get the win, but you get the sweet, um, you get to avenge the loss, I should say. You don't want them to win and have, unfortunately, a sweep there. That puts a lot of pressure on Wednesday, does it not? It does. Um, because our league is concerned about makeups, uh, the game is actually tomorrow. So oh, Thursday I'm sorry. You're right. Makeup day. So, no, I just uh, can't keep track of dates, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> and we're the eight o'clock game because we're we're in a flip flop season with the men. Yeah. So it, uh, it's, uh, I'm getting a lot of heat from various sources because it's also Valentine's Day, et cetera, et cetera. But the bottom line is, <laughs> it, it's the same day time for both teams, and right. and we'll we'll be here going at each other and. And as you probably well know, Meg, Meg Howie and I go back a number of years because yes. Meg was actually recruited by me, chose Lafayette, believe that or not. And uh, <laughs> and uh, and since uh, worked with me a number of years before she became yeah. the coach at Stevens, she's done a phenomenal job. And uh, it's, it's always fun to go against Coach Meg. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I was going to ask because I know you do have a great background. That is your only loss of the, of the season, the only blemish. blemish. Uh, you've beaten some pretty decent teams along the way, but uh, they got you. What is it about Howie's team this season that that gave you guys the most trouble, and what are you expecting and going to have to deal with tomorrow night? Well, I, I think mostly uh, it's our lowest scoring game, uh, and might have been one of theirs as well. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we both like to get out and go, and we didn't let each other do that. Uh, we didn't. Neither team was an o- offensive juggernaut, to say the least. Uh, so. Uh, you know, we're, we're hoping to improve uh, on that end, and, and I know she is too. Uh, both teams are more effective when they're when we're out in the open court, uh, when uh, Jess Broad has room to operate and uh, use her, her tremendous athletic ability. Uh, we, you know, we, um, we're, I'm sure we're both hoping for a more open, let's go get them, uh, uh, get some fast breaks, let's get some rebounds and go, let's get a couple deflections and go and, and play a little bit more open court basketball. Uh, if not, uh, we'll grind it out because that's what we have to do. And and yeah. really, when you come down to it in the NCAA tournament, the 80-point games don't happen very often uh, because we're all grinding it out. We're all taking something uh, away from the other team because we're we're all pretty good, that's for sure. You obviously have a, uh, another game coming up Saturday, so you can't overlook Stevens and you can't overlook Saturday because you get a win over Stevens, that's great. But if you trip and fall on Acadia – Coming up on Saturday, it's all for naught, uh, especially if they win. So there's obviously a lot li- riding on this week. But is it the end of the world if you aren't at home for the title game? Uh, the world will not end, uh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, we've won a couple titles on the road uh, as an underdog and and, and and dug in and played awfully hard. Uh, so it's um, the right to be in the playoffs, uh, the right to be um, looking at an NCAA bid as, as a uh, uh, an automatic um, is is really the the easier way to go and and play a home game for a championship. But um, a good team that falls and learns from when they fall and continues to grow and doesn't let those losses get to them have tremendous chances in our conference with the uh, semifinals and the finals. It's uh, uh, we're going to play a number of teams three times, two teams at least three times if if we get our way. And, and again, that's not easy to do as as most of us coaches talk about all the time it's hard to beat somebody three times uh having a rubber yeah. match uh after being two down do you have an advantage because you want it more than they do 
then we get into the whole sports psychology thing and yeah. and depending on how much your kids buy into it excuse me young ladies buy into it uh you know it's uh it's something that we uh we continue to monitor and and, and hope uh that we can uh gain their attention and play the way we want to play i'm curious on from another perspective on this this conference continues to ebb and flow in the last few years. You're, the, the entire Mac's about to lose Lycoming and uh, Wilkes to the landmark. Uh, just after Lycoming was brought into the Freedom, you'll lose them. Now Lev Val is coming in. Don't get me started. I, I don't understand that decision. It's been ebb and flow. It's been ultra-changing. I know the conference schedule doesn't change for you. That doesn't completely throw things into a mix but is it hard to get used to what you're going to do every season when you're already dealing enough without a conference stuff your conference keeps changing i'm not that worried about it it's um it started when the landmark started and, and people started making their football conferences and their high expectation academic stuff and and left the conference we uh we roll with the punches you know 20 what five 26 years ago we got into the mac and, uh, you know, we're, we're just glad to be in, in, in that conference. In the meantime, yes, I think our conference actually is, is uh, with Leb Val and Di Decker coming over uh, and uh, uh, Arcadia, uh, you know, coming uh, into the season with some good recruits. Uh, and Jackie does a, a nice job with them. I think our side in the long run might be uh, better off than we were before. I'm hoping to keep some stability uh, with that. Uh, and now we don't have that dreaded by during the season where, you know, you, you might have a week off at, at prime time. We were lucky to get Immaculata on our yeah. schedule for this past Saturday. So it, you know, it's, um, um, well, as they say, it is what it is. We, we, we sort of, uh, roll with the punches and, and, uh, get prepared. Um, and that's, that's my job. I, I like the preparation part. No, it's you're exciting. right. I, the freedom will certainly be a more interesting conference next year. I, I don't understand some of the decisions, but I, I digress. Uh, we don't need to dive into that rabbit hole. Uh, I can do it some other time. Fred, I appreciate the time to talk about your uh, Bulldogs. Really impressive team. Uh, as always, we give the uh, guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Well, um, my journey's been a lot of fun, and you might be right. I might be enjoying it more than I ever have. And, and that's the joy of of dealing with young people who uh, who have the right uh, the right idea about life, doing the best they can on the floor and being part of the team, but also getting their education and becoming the nurses and the doctors and and the lawyers that they become. Um, it's a it's it's a joy. It's a passion I have. Well, it, it's clearly evident. And uh, much respect for the success you've had. But I know the graduation and all that is important too. So tip of the hat on uh, the true D3 model. Uh, Fred, take care. Enjoy the rest of the season. Have fun against uh, Coach Howie tomorrow night, and we'll look forward to talking about the Bulldogs and talking to you down the road. Thank you very much. I really do appreciate your time. Absolutely, sir. Thank you for yours. Fred Richter joining us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline. Again, really good team, really big game tomorrow night on Tuesday against Stevens. That should be a fun one to watch. Eh, go ahead and tune into that one. That'll be at DeSales, so it'll even be better in the uh, – the band box, as it were, of their gym. I love their place. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk to Mark Hausman, who we talked to earlier today here on the program out of uh, Ohio Northern. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. 
This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue to roll along on this supersized Monday edition of the show, don't forget if you got questions for us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can join us uh, on our simulcast. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook. It's both places, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can also, uh, we're simulcasting on YouTube, youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville. We're on Instagram at D3Hoopsville as well, though admittedly not using it as much as we have in the past. It's a long story. Uh, but lots of ways you can interact with us, and we certainly hope you'll take advantage of that. We should mention this is a pre-taped segment coming up as we recorded it earlier in the day. So if you do have questions for this guest, I'm sorry we missed you, but we will certainly maybe pass them on down the road or maybe we'll cover them as we go along. Ohio Northern women's basketball having a pretty solid basketball season. They are number 10. Uh, in last week's top 25, a reminder, we're talking to them before we have a chance to um, see the new poll, which usually comes out mid-show. Uh, Mark uh, Heilsman, who's who's having a pretty good time uh, since 2019 with this program, uh, continues to have them rolling along. They're at 20-3 and three this season, number 10, as we mentioned in that top 25. Uh, they have lost recently, though it was a dandy of a game. The OAC is a little bit tough, so I wanted to learn more about the Polar Bears, which is one of my favorite mascots, joining us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline. It is the aforementioned Mark Hausman. And, Coach, first and foremost, thanks for taking the time to join me. I really appreciate it. And you got to be pretty thrilled with, with the way your team's been playing despite the loss recently to Baldwin-Wallace. 
Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave. Yeah, we, we've been playing. We've been playing okay. Um, we're we're a little dinged up, so it's it's been hard to have continuity in what we're doing at practice. And um, anytime you go on the road in the second round of league play, it's hard. And with another team on the other end of it, it's a top twenty team in the country as well. It's really hard. So uh, yeah, we dropped one there in overtime, made some mistakes, um, starting at starting with me, um, and just they're really good. So. When you make mistakes against good teams, they're going to beat you. Yeah, sure. I mean, Bowen Wallace is the number 19 team in the previous top 25 poll, so it's it's certainly nothing to shake a stick at. It is in overtime, and it was at their place. Previously in the season, it was at your place, and it was a close game there too, 53-51. So not surprising that maybe you two have traded wins and losses here at your respective home courts, and not surprising that they're close games. As you said, they're, they're both good teams. Looking at the standings, You've still got a game lead on them. They're 13-3 and three in conference play. So you had a little bit of wiggle room uh, with that game with the last few games still to come. So it's not the end of the world, right? No, it's not the end of the world. Um, you got to take them one game at a time, as everybody in the country says, um, especially in a conference when you're playing a double-round robin. It's it's difficult. So anytime you, you have a two-game lead with whatever that was, two games with four to play at the time, we were in a pretty good spot. Now we're at one-game lead with two to play, so we're still doing okay. We'll talk about the rest of the season in a bit, but we should mention coming up, you've got two away games. You've finished your home campaign with a win over John Carroll by 10 on Saturday. So now you're on the road against Heidelberg, and you'll be on the road against Muskegon trying to lock up and and assure yourself the chance to be at home for the conference tournament. With a one-game lead, it's nice. Splitting with Baldwin-Wallace means we're going to have to go deep in the tiebreaker. So in other words, these two games mean a lot to you guys. Yeah, they're really important, and anybody in the country would sign up to play games that matter in the last week of the year. Um, we've all we've got something to play for, and if you offered me that on October fifteenth, I would have absolutely signed up for it without thinking twice. So I'm, I'm glad we're in the spot that we're in. One thing to consider, though, the last time you played Muskegon and, he- and Heidelberg at home, you beat Muskegon sixty five forty seven. You beat Heidelberg sixty seven thirty one. Okay, you're on the road, and I'm assuming you're telling this team let's not just you know, let's not rely on the fact that we beat them easily last time. It's the hardest trap to not fall into is to look at your previous game, uh, particularly when you won. Um, but you gotta, you gotta be mature. You gotta understand that it's late in the year that people have practiced a lot. Um, we watch film, we study, we don't lie to our players about, about what we're getting into. I tell them the truth. Um, sometimes they don't like that, but uh, it's just the way it's going to be. So we tell them what we're getting into. And again, when you're, playing for something we got to make sure we show up to play yeah let's talk about let's back up and talk about the season you got the first three games under your belt with a win over LaRoche and and Washington Jefferson which obviously is a a very good win uh at their place and then a win over Anderson then you took your first loss uh at home against an Ohio Wesleyan team 64-60 that I mean what do you what do you consider looking back they're 14 and 9 this season is that just one of those early season games still trying to figure things out yeah yeah that's, I mean, that's what it is. It's, it was our first home game. We were coming back from what I thought were two really good wins at, at W&J. And um, Ohio Wesleyan's got good players. And when you're early in the year and they have experienced players coming back, they played in conference championship games. Like, we weren't anything that they hadn't seen before. So, you know, you show up, you don't play well, you get beat. Yeah. I think that's what's supposed to happen. That's why you schedule good teams. And um, honestly, I haven't paid that close of attention to how they're doing now, but – I mean, they're, they're going to be competing for that conference championship, I would think. And 
you know, that that's what happened. But yeah, it was two really good wins to start the year and stub your toe before Thanksgiving and the head coach goes home in a bad mood, but everybody else is going home for Thanksgiving and hopefully they <laughs> forgot about it and were able to enjoy their time with their family while they were home and they don't get to be home very often. So right. uh, when they get a couple days at home, it's important that, you know, a 40 minute, 40 minutes doesn't ruin the next whatever 40 hours, I guess, if you want to keep yeah. the numbers the same. Um, and, and hopefully they were able to do that. That's what I asked them to do, but it wasn't going to work for me. So I didn't even worry about, <laughs> about myself. I was going to be going to say, I'm sure that was a lovely Thanksgiving table to be around with you. Yeah. I have a feeling yeah, you were I'm a great guy a little to be bit. I'm in a bad mood. It's awesome. <laughs> Uh, your other losses against Marietta, but that kind of helps me transition. This conference has been really interesting over the last few years while well, you've been in it and certainly prior to you arriving. Uh, Capital has been a team that, you know, under Dixie Jeffers, it has so, certainly always been in the conversation. Marietta in the last few years has emerged as a program that's in the conversation. Baldwin Wallace certainly has always been in the conversation at the top of the OAC. Mix in John Carroll, who's maybe not having the prototypical year that we're used to seeing, but they have always been a, a challenge. And even Mount Union over the last few years has been near the top. Interesting enough, those last two, though, struggling this season. In other words, as much as the OAC on the men's side has gotten deeper, gotten more interesting, you still kind of know who's at the top. On the women's side, it feels a little bit like a revolving door. It's almost like every season you all don't know who's going to be your toughest opponents. At least that's what it feels like from the outside. Yeah, and you can, like, honest to goodness, you can lose any game you don't play well in, you can lose. And and it's not, you know, the, the talent gap just isn't that wide from, yeah. from top to bottom. And and what we've seen in the league, it's why it's been so hard to figure out on the women's side, like, Look through the look through the records. I mean, Heidelberg had some injuries, so so they haven't done. They had some injuries in some key places, so they haven't done as well this year as as I think we they probably expected. But I mean, everybody else is beating people or playing super close games and losing. Um, it, it's been really competitive, and it's exhausting for coaches. I think players probably enjoy it because it's it's close games all the time, and those are more fun to play in. But um, yeah, it's been hard. It's been hard and. I don't know. I, th I think that's that's what this league is. It's, it's been that way since I've been in it. And, um, you know, the teams you mentioned, Otterbein's coming on. They've got their best player back now from an injury, and they've been playing well. Marietta's been flying through the second round of the conference. So, yeah. um, you know, Baldwin Wallace Capital, you named them. I mean, just keeps coming down the stretch. So, yeah, you got to go practice and have good days and keep getting better because the teams that you're playing – have something to play for, and they're going to yeah. be good enough to beat you if you don't play well. And I mentioned Dixie Jeffers. That's who we've been used to coaching Capital for so many years. She's she's yeah. obviously step aside. It's now Camille McPherson who's in charge of that program. But still, it's 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 Jeffers's group that's still there. And so it's so easy to just say Dixie Jeffers. But there's a lot of good coaches in this conference on top of you. you got Cole Vivian uh, at uh, Marietta. You've got, of course, Sherry Herrer sitting at Baldwin-Wallace, darn good coach. Uh, Beth yeah. Andrews has had certainly some success at John Carroll. And Mount Union, Susie Bennett, uh, who certainly has a national perspective as well, being on the committee. Yeah. So not only are you dealing with good teams, you're dealing with good coaches. It just – it must be fun every night in the OAC. Fun's not the word I use. <laughs> uh, I understand why everybody else thinks that way. Um, but uh, that's not the word I choose. I, th I think the league is – so we've got – two coaches that you just listed. Susie and Sherry have coached in Elite Eights. Um, Beth has been in the NCAA tournament. Cole's been in the NCAA tournament. 
Diana Knowles at Otterbein was an Good assistant, point. I believe, on an NCAA tournament team. Yeah. Um, like it's, a, and I may have forgot somebody. I didn't do that on purpose, but like well, it's a here. really well, it's a really <laughs> well coached league. Yeah, um, and the players play hard, and they're it's physical, and they they'll, they will expose you, and like the guard plays good, it's yeah. good guard play, and so like you can't just you can't rest, you can't relax, you have to be prepared, and you have to be really good on Wednesdays and Saturdays. You have, as a coach, you have to be really good on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Well, and then you took over for Michelle Duran, who who certainly had her success at Ohio Northern as well. So you yeah. were coming into a program somewhat like some of these other coaches we've mentioned, like Camille, where the the, the program was pretty much established. And I, I say this tongue-in-cheek. I don't mean it in any seriousness at all. But there's got to be a side of you hoping that you don't kind of ruin what you're taking over, right? Yeah, everybody tells you don't be the guy that follows the guy. But, <laughs> I mean um. – I mean, I work for two Hall of Famers. I work for Jerry Sheevy at Wilmington. I work for Michelle yeah. Duran here. Um, yeah, there's pressure. Sure. And I'm sure Camille feels pressure at Capitol. I'm sure Diana yeah. feels pressure at Otterbein. Um, my guess is Beth felt some pressure when she took over for Kelly at John Carroll. Sure. Uh, because they've been really good, and you don't want to be the one that screws it up. Um, yeah. You've got alums that really care a lot. I mean, here we had 50 yes. alums back for <laughs> Alumni Day. We had 50 women come back for wow. an Alumni Wow. That That's impressive. Awesome. It was awesome. There's 50 women here that cared about our program enough to come back and spend a full yeah. day at Ohio. Like, I don't want to let those people down. I don't no, want to that's, do that. No, that's – 50 like, yeah, that's is real. impressive. Yeah. That's, no, a, that's that, a real feeling. Yeah. Um, you try not to wear that, but, I mean, the truth's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> like, it is what – I mean, but at the same time, if you don't want the pressure, don't take the job. Like, right. you could have said no when they offered it to you. So, it's not like I said yes, and then I was like, oh, yeah, we're pretty good. I can't screw it up. Like, but at the same time, decision. you knew you also knew this program, and that's why it was a little bit of tongue in cheek. You've been under Michelle. You, you you had you knew what this program was about. You knew what this conference was about. Of course, you, you're a graduate of Wittenberg. You knew the area. There's a yeah. lot of things that made this decision. I would assume kind of a no brainer, right? Yeah, it was great. It was it was it's easy. Uh, my family's close. Uh, my parents are are getting a little older, so for me to be able to be, well, I think I'm an hour and fifteen minutes from them now. Um, they still come up to a ton of home games, um, sit in the stands. Dad comes and yells at the officials. And mom comes and elbows him because he's yelling too loud. And um, It's great that I can still be around him. Uh, the job was an easy yes. Um, you know the area. You know the people. You know the university. You know what you're getting into. You know the league. Um, so, yeah, it was, I, was glad, I was appreciative of being offered the position, uh, which they didn't have to do. They could have very well had a, a national search and, and all sure. of those things they would have had. 200 applicants to really good job. So I agree yeah. um, for, for them to, to believe in me enough to just offer me the job without having to go through uh, a national search. Anyway, um, I was just really appreciative of the opportunity. Hey, let's pivot. Talk about your team a little bit. You're led by three players who are all different classes, which means you've got a lot of depth across the board. You're led by a senior and Bryn Serban, uh, 14 points a game for the most part, 6.2 rebounds, by the way, ah, not too shabby. Oh, by He's the way, good. four, 4.6 assists. On top of that, man, that's not too shabby either. Oh, oh, almost three steals a game. Tell me if you're getting bored yet. Uh, 41% from the floor, 35% from beyond the arc, 80% free throw shooter. Okay, not too shabby, but she's got Brooke Allen, a sophomore, and Kristen Lursman as a junior who both score in double figures. Both pull down their fair share of rebounds, including Lursman at 8.2 per contest. Uh, they also get their steals and their assists. They both shoot well. Jeez, I mean, 
both of them shoot better than 50% from the floor. That's a hell of a trio. Yeah, they're good. They're good players. I mean, Bryn's as, as good as we've had here. We've had good players. She's different than the good players that we've had since I've been here anyway. Um, she just she impacts the game at both ends of the floor. Hmm. Um, obviously, she's rebounding it well. She's got the steals. She's got the assists. She has the ball a lot for us because when you have really good point guards, I think it's smart that they have the ball. Um, but, you know, Kristen has, has had a good year, has had a good year for us, and, and Brooke has really stepped up in her sophomore campaign. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy for all three of them to have had some success. They all they all work, Dave. Yeah. Like they don't just basketball isn't a four o'clock thing for them. It's not from four to five thirty. It's it's something that they take seriously. They come in and work at it. Um, our janitors know who they are, and I, I just think that's. I'm always happy when things work out for people who work at it. Yeah, no, totally makes sense, and I'd agree with you. Um, it, it's always as a youth coach when you see a kid who's succeeding because he's doing some of the extra stuff you kind of smile and you, and you kind of cheer him on a little bit more um tell me about the rest of the team though what else clicks about it because those three obviously get the headlines because they're the ones who get the stats and you see them but there's certainly other players here including a freshman who's fourth on the team in scoring or tied for fourth with a senior there's certainly a lot of other components to this team yeah, and, and we're all figuring that out together. And, and it's all we, – we were as unproven as far as coming back this year, as unproven um, as we've been in a while. So, we, you know, Bryn, Bryn had proven herself uh, as far as being a good player night in, night out. And, and we didn't really have anybody else who had done it on a night in, night out basis. So as we've had to figure, th- figure some things out and start to define some roles a little bit, um, our other players – have been great. We've had some injuries to deal with. So it's been in and out. It's been hard for those rotation kids because sometimes it's four minutes and sometimes it's 15 and sometimes it's 18. And then all of a sudden, okay, well, I didn't get to play that game. What I do wrong. Yeah. Those kinds of things that they've all handled really, really well. Um, they've been, they've invested in each other. They've continued to sacrifice for the team uh, from their own individual goals i'm sure like nobody says hey mark I'd, I'd love to come and practice every day and never go in the game like that'd be awesome you know any, any spots like that <laughs> nobody ever says that no nope, so nope. um it's a hard thing to do and to have to have our players really contribute find ways to do well and help our team win it has been really cool you've got as we mentioned two games left in the regular season on the road hopefully coming home to play maximum three games at home in the conference tournament and then hopefully be positioned, and it certainly looks that way, we'll learn more later this week, to maybe be hosting the following weekend in the NCAA tournament. I know we're looking way down that road. I know you're probably only looking at Heidelberg coming up, but at the same time, there's got to be an appreciation, an understanding, and a conversation about what is at stake in every single one of these games coming up. How are you discussing all this with the team? Um, that the next game is the most important game. And if you don't win the next one, none of the rest of it matters. Um, I mean, Dave, we can talk about hosting and all that stuff. Like you lose to Heidelberg, you ain't hosting. Like we're playing for a conference championship on Wednesday. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what other motivation you could possibly need. Um, if we're fortunate enough to win Wednesday, then on Saturday, we're playing for an outright conference championship. Yeah. against a team who's playing for a conference tournament berth. Like, both teams have something to play for both of the games that we have coming up. 
And if you can't get excited about that, then you're probably doing the wrong thing with your with your free time at four o'clock in the afternoons from October to, to February. Um, True. What what comes in the conference tournament? I mean, six teams are making the tournament this year instead of eight. Um, that's new for the new for us this year. Yeah. So um, we won't play till Thursday. Um, but you know, it, it's you look at the top of the league. We already talked about it. Like it's whoever's in that tournament can beat you. They can beat everybody else. There's going to be two teams, three teams probably that don't make the tournament that can yeah. beat everybody else. So, you know, you just have to show up and play and play well and, and try to do the best you can to figure out a way to win by one. Yeah, I shouldn't have said maximum three games for you all because that's not possible. You'll only play the maximum of two with this new structure. I was just kind of thinking, yeah, there's a game on, on the first yeah. round, but obviously not yeah. involving you all. Um, and, and, yes, I agree. Obviously, looking down the road, looking down at, at what the – what possibly could be in the future isn't ideal. But as you said, it's still part of the conversation with that Heidelberg game because it can all disappear. It can all stop being a conversation point. It can all stop being something other people talk about if you don't get the job done in the first place. Yeah. And so you just try like crazy to compete for a conference championship and you play the best you can Yeah, because you only get 25 games in a season at the Division Three level. Yep. Like, that's That's not very many. I don't know the percentages, but 25 out of 365 isn't that much. And <laughs> like that's all they give you. So you might as well make the most out of every opportunity and you can't afford to waste those days because you just don't you just don't get very many. You get a hundred games in four years. Like yeah. I don't know. That ain't that much. Somebody else who's better than me can do the math, but from a percentage standpoint, that's not that many days where you have a game. And I, game I, games in college. I called up the I called up a calculator. It's six point eight percent. So for seven percent of your days, you get to play yeah. a game. Yeah, exactly. Why would you waste seven percent? Yeah, that that doesn't that doesn't make very much sense to me. So that's we treat game days like they're special because I think they are. You don't get that many of them, um, and they need to be taken seriously. And I really yeah. don't care who's on the other end of the schedule or what's at stake. We're playing a game. It's our team. It matters, and uh, it needs to be taken seriously. Oh, well said, and I appreciate the perspective on that for sure. And we, we wish the team the best. Uh, it'd be fun to be talking about the Polar Bears, whether maybe it's on our special Thursday or if we're talking about the brackets on uh, in two weeks' time on Monday. It'll be fun to be chatting about Ohio Northern or even on our selection show Sunday. Um, I appreciate the time. Appreciate that you've got a lot going on, and finding time for us is not ideal. So I appreciate uh, the effort, and uh, I know we haven't had you on the show yet, but we do have a tradition that we give the guests the final word. So we'll let you know you have the final thought for anybody who might be tuning in. Oh, well, thanks for having me, Dave. I just I really appreciate what you guys do for Division Three sports. I think this, I think the student athletes at this level are doing things that are really really hard. And they would go unnoticed without the work that you guys are doing. Uh, and I know it doesn't pay the bills for you guys. And you guys do it at such a high level. And you care about it. And you spend time. And it's done the right way. And for, for us, for our players, for our student athletes, um, to get the recognition that I think they earn every day, uh, I think is really, really important. And I appreciate you guys doing that work. Well, thank you, Mark. I appreciate the kind words. Uh, as we always say, it's a lot easier to do the show when guests like yourself are willing to come on. Uh, and do it for us. Otherwise, we'd be just talking to ourselves, and no one wants to listen to that. Yeah. Hey, Mark, thanks for the time. Good luck the rest of the way. Congratulations on what has been a terrific season so far, and we'll look forward to talking to you and talking about the Polar Bears, most especially down the road. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Absolutely. He's Mark Holliman joining us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline. 
again, on Northern having a good season, got a one-game lead in the OAC. They got two games to play. They can, as he say, wrap up a share of the regular season title with a win over Heidelberg, and they'll wrap up the entire season title with a win over Muskegon, and with that comes the number one seed in the tournament. As he said, it's now down to six. It was a good reminder. I had forgotten about that till he mentioned it. Um, and we'll see where this all leads. Oh, Northern, I think, is in a position where they could be hosting. We'll see. We'll see. I think they're... Uh, they're a fun team to watch, maybe flying a little under the radar as well. Uh, when we come back, we'll change gears, talk Johns Hopkins men's basketball with Josh Leffler out here just down the road in Baltimore. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More after this. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Uh, we're back live on the show. Thanks to uh, Mark Heilsman for joining us on the show to talk about his uh, polar bear women's team. I just like talking about the polar bears, to be honest. Hey, we sent out a bunch of tweets and information, uh, even on the Facebook and YouTube streams, about donating to the show, the fundraising campaign that we have, the Venmo information, the Give Butter information. If you would like to donate but not via those two avenues, whether you have a Zelle uh, set up with your bank or you want to send a check, whatever, contact us. We also sent out the information on the merchandise that you can buy, but that is only through Friday night. We're not extending it because we want to get those shirts out to those who want to enjoy the NCAA or have them for the NCAA tournament. So we have to get them done by uh, Friday night. 
Um, well, maybe an outside chance Monday because they probably won't get processed till uh, Monday. So maybe maybe we'll extend it through Sunday. But my point is we want to get it done so people can get shirts um, and so on and so forth. So look on Twitter. Look on uh, Facebook. Look everywhere. We've got that information up there. Running a little bit behind, so we'll pick up the pace here. Johns Hopkins men's basketball is having a tremendous season. Has certainly been in the national spotlight. Uh, and I would argue they got the biggest win of the season by beating Swarthmore, something they've been able to do in the Centennial Conference tournament. Obviously, the last two meaningful seasons of that. But I think it's been something that's been eating at them as they've been wanting to do it uh, this past or uh, do it during the regular season too, because that has a lot of momentum and, and a lot of other characteristics. At least that's my perspective on it. What's the real perspective on it? Well, we go to the coach to get that. Josh Leffler joins us from the Blue Jays just down the road a bit, uh, down in uh, in Homewood. Uh, on the campus of Hopkins, because I can tell. I can see the blue in the background. He's not calling from <laughs> yeah. home. Uh, Coach Leffler, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Uh, really nice to be here. Uh, I was going to say, I, I don't know specifically where you live, but I know we, we are somewhat near each other. It would have been funnier if you and I were both doing this from the house. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not going to say where I live because nope, I nope, had nope. some words for refs the other day, and I'm, I don't want to put anything <laughs> out there. <laughs> I have to go now. Go back to your box score and see which refs you were yelling at. Because now I'm now I'm intrigued. You and I know them all very well. Um, listen, you guys had a lot of attention on you guys, considering the talent you lost in your point guard. I I had you in my top twenty five start of the season. I was a little apprehensive because I wanted same with Randolph Macon. It's the same point. I wanted to see how you would adapt to a new squad, and I have. I remember seeing you early in the season at Gettysburg, and that first half was, eh, and then you caught fire in that second half and went, wow, if this is how they play the rest of the season, they're going to be really dangerous. At what point has it did it click? Did everybody figure out their roles, understand where they were supposed to be and when, or are you still working on it? I think it's still a work in progress. I mean, um, you know, just – the way the seasons play out, you know, you're, you're never, you're, you should never be a finished product. You know, Fair. I think Fair. the big thing for us was that at the heart of everything uh, really centered to our identity is the idea that we, that we will really value defensive possessions. So, yeah. you know, I think, I think from day one and, and really year in and year out here, we've been fortunate to have, um, student athletes who really care about defense and that and that's been a, a mainstay this year and it's allowed us to you know figure some things out on the offensive end as we move forward without taking too many lumps fair uh you did take a lump the very first game of the season listen you you came out of the gate and said all right uh we'll go into a boxing match uh full bore uh we're not gonna ease into this uh, played uh, Christopher Newport, lost 74-61, but immediately got back at it. Wins over Salisbury, York, Lightcoming, Gettysburg. Big game against Mary Washington. I think this was where I kind of changed my opinion on you all. Um, and I've said it a few times. I know you and I have discussed it. You know, sluggish starts sometimes to games, then you figure it out. <laughs> Mary Washington game, a team that ended up beating Randolph-Macon right around that same time. You won and absolutely handled Interesting enough, Muhlenberg a couple games later tripped you guys up, but that's where I thought you guys were starting to really put it together a bit. Yes, you've had your your trips. Muhlenberg's playing really good at that time of the season too. But yeah. is there any bit of a conversation with the team of hey, we got past Mary Washington, but you got to focus on teams like Muhlenberg too? Well, I I don't know if that was really the conversation more than 
fine tuning some things with our defense because, ah. you know, Muhlenberg is, you know, Muhlenberg is, is as talented in the backcourt as, as most teams that you could ever imagine. I mean, the other day, Rubino and Gaines went for 60. Yeah. You know, combined uh, those, 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 and then they, that's not the end of what they can throw out no. there. And then, you know, Kevin Hopkins puts them in really good spots. So, you know, they put us in some, some conflict with our defense and, you know, I don't think we played our best, but I'm not sure if they did either. Um, you know, the hard thing about conference play is that your opponents, they gain institutional knowledge about you over the years yeah. as well. And, you know, as time's gone on, I think Kevin has an idea of how he wants to attack Johns Hopkins. And um, I thought they did a really good job of it that day. But I, but I also think that we use that to, to hopefully grow and, and become better moving forward. Your only loss after that, you've won uh, 14 of 15 games, was a loss to Swarthmore at their place, 53-46. Close game at their place, shocker. We've seen that one before. But it includes getting it back at your place by 10, 77-67. Yes, Muhlenberg, by the way, we'll get to that in a minute because I want to talk about the conference. But again, the, the length of it, ever since that Muhlenberg win or loss, you've won 14 of 15. You're certainly on the right side of things. You've also dominated teams. You've had your tight tight ones too, but it's interesting. I almost feel like you know how to win in all facets now. You you can win an ugly game, you can win a blowout, and you can win the middle ground games a little bit too. I mean, listen, I saw you at McDaniel. That the beginning of that game was not fun, no. and then you guys absolutely put the hammer down, and it was over. But Again, I'm I'm giving credit. That's I was really impressed because at one point I'm like, this could be an absolutely ugly loss. Yeah, I mean, I, I I hope that's the case that we do know how to win all those ways. You know, it doesn't always feel like that when you're coaching in the games. Um, <laughs> Fair, you know, but again, again, you know, when you when you get off to a start where you're not hitting shots, yeah, or you're not playing as well as you want offensively. You know, what are you doing defensively? Are you, are you keeping yourself in the game by, by really being connected on the defensive end? And more often than not, that's been the case for us this year. Um, and I think that, you know, we, we want that to be a calling card night in and night out. Fair. Uh, I, I totally can see that. By the way, you're willing to go deep at the bench, too. Uh, not only because you're in blowout games, so guys get some minutes. But in that first half against McDaniel, the first half against Gettysburg, other games that I've watched, first half, you're going deep in the bench. Maybe it's to find options, but it's also to try and mix it up because you've got some of the talent there to, to go for it. Well, we, we have really, I think, a, a deep team. You know, it's one of the things that, you know, every coach wants to have depth. It, it presents some issues at times because, you know, when you have good depth, you're going to have some good players who aren't playing as much as they want. And, that, that you know, any competitor is going to be a little frustrated by that. Um, but we have great people uh, i mean they, they really they really care about each other and you know we feel really we feel really confident in in players who who might not get the lion's share of minutes when they go out there we believe that they're going to get the job done let's quickly talk about the conference then we'll talk about the team um this has been a fascinating conference uh, i think we all expected swarthmore and yourselves to be at the top what happened after that was really up in the air when the season started muhlenberg showed early on about midway through that they were going to be a tough team, been a bit streaky since. I saw Franklin and Marshall in Vegas and was blown away, thought, oh, my Lord, this has just become a four-horse race. Unfortunately, an injury absolutely derails their season. 
Ursinus has been testy. Even McDaniel has been in it, though they haven't been getting the W's. Um, I know I'm forgetting somebody, which is going to kill me. Gettysburg, they started off slow this season and have come along late in the year as well. This is a bit of a different feel than it has been for the last two, three, four seasons. Yeah, I think it's a deep league. I mean, I think one of the things that's tough for our league this year has been uh, injuries and and illnesses for some of the better teams. Um, Yeah that maybe have shown up on their, their records. You know, you, you, you talked about it earlier, you know, Franklin and Marshall had uh, some great wins out in Vegas and then, you know, they lost their starting five man for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ursinus played some really tough games without Trevor Wall and Cole Grubbs who are really, really good players. You know, uh, Gettysburg was missing a few guys early as well. And then you, you look down the, 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 just the docket of our league. Everybody's had some guys, which is standard. You know, I think the the tough thing for our league as well is that it's well coached. And I'm not saying that yeah. as a cliche. No, no, no. Um, you know, we play 18 conference games and yeah. familiarity breeds contempt, but also everyone has a plan against each other. And there's no way that you're just going to roll in on one night and be like, well, this is the only time we're going to see these guys this year. You know, yeah. you're, you, you've seen them. Uh, before, or you know that they know you from years past, uh, and and they're going to have a, a plan for how to win that game. And you know, I, I think that's the thing about this Centennial Conference right now is the parity is is there, and you have to bring it every night, or you you can lose any given night. Um, and you know, like the the teams have great rivalries you know it's yeah. it's an underrated league in many ways you know obviously with with coach robinson franklin and marshall was at the forefront forever and and obviously swarthmore made a national championship game a few years back and we've had some success but ursinus has been to multiple final fours dickinson has had incredible team you've just gettysburg has had great teams so you've got all these very proud programs that are well coached and they've they've been beating up on each other a little bit. Yeah. And, and unfortunately part of sports is just a, a little bit of some guys missing some games at inopportune times for those programs as well. But I'll tell you, I, I wish the league were easier. I, I would really enjoy a few <laughs> nights where I got to have cocktail hour on the bench instead of coaching, you know, uh, I could make a comment about the women's side. Not that it's easier, but it has some benefits, but I'll stop there. You talk <laughs> about coaches. We were talking about that on with ONU uh, just now on the women's side, but you, you know, obviously yourself at Hopkins showing uh, tremendous success. You're, you're the you're the winningest. Was it second winningest in terms of numbers uh, coach at Hopkins history? Uh, behind Bill Nelson. I think you've got the best winning percentage ever at Hopkins, um, and it's certainly up there in the top five or ten, ten something in Division Three active coaches right now. Uh, you've got uh, obviously, Swarthmore has pretty darn good coach in Landry. Uh, Kevin is pretty darn good at Ursinus. Uh, Alan Soretti is undersung at Dickinson. He's going through a little bit of a lump, but they showed some promise here in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and Nick Nache is starting to show things at FNM. You're right. The, the coaching side is pretty fascinating. Let me jump to your team. Uh, you talk about the depth here. That's certainly what impressed me to the point that I think I saw Tom Quarry maybe playing a different role this year. I, it's something that I kind of got fascinated by. I didn't see the usual Tom Quarry out there, but you have guys who have stepped up, including some tremendous guard play, but Sidney Thibel is playing well. Carson James, John Windley, Brian Johansson all playing well. You've got maybe guys that nobody knows about playing well, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think the interesting thing is, uh, you know, as as you are well aware, you know, Connor Delaney got a lot of accolades and they were well-deserved. He's, he's a special player and he'll go yeah. down in the annals of uh, Johns Hopkins and Division Three basketball as such. Uh, and, and when he moves on, you know, players have to step into different roles and, and that is going to look different um, across the board. You know, some, some guys are going to become more playmakers as, as a playmaker leaves. Some guys are going to be asked to score more as, as a scorer leaves. And I think that's one of the fun things about our group is we've, we've had guys step into to different roles from last year and, and from game to game, or as the season has progressed, uh, we've had, we'd have had individuals who are really growing into different roles and, one of the things you want as a coach and as a program is for players to improve over their time here. And uh, I, I, I take what you're saying as a compliment, because hopefully our guys are showing that improvement over time. Oh, absolutely. Carson James, by the way, is the one who took over that kind of leadership role in terms of the of the guard who runs the show. But he doesn't have what Delaney has. And that's not a knock. Again, different, everybody has different skill sets. Yeah. And, and Delaney was on a whole nother level. Um, it's just a good thing we didn't give him a long stick from lacrosse, or that would have been real dangerous on that floor. Um, but that's what I was impressed with, is that guy like James, and I think that was, for me, the click point when it seemed like he had gotten comfortable in his role. It all changed. Yeah. Um, I, I know that you guys have depth, and we've talked about injuries. There's guys like uh, Lincoln Uter, who missed a good chunk in the middle of the season and is coming back, and others Unfortunately, it sounds like you're dealing with some more injuries as well. Yeah, it, it's Yider. I just want to get him his name. Yider, right? thank you. No, you're everybody, right. everybody butchers that guy's name, so I want to get yeah. his name. It's not. It's you know. I mean, it's only your job. It's not a big deal, Dave. Um, <laughs> well deserved, know. sir. <laughs> um, so yeah, Lincoln. Lincoln's been phenomenal to have back. He's he's a really steadying presence. Yeah, uh, provides a level of dynamicism that is it's it's fun to coach every day and it's been it's been great to have him have him back after a little time away with an injury yeah. no it's great hey listen tom Corey stayed back for a year it, i we, quick little side note i tweeted this one out funny little moment about a week and a half ago i show up at a high school game on a, a the day after the marathon it's a friday night i said to my family i got nothing they said well we're going to the big rivalry game my son's school he's not in high school yet but it's a, it's that rivalry loyola calvert hall it's a big you know let's go and get it at it Halftime, I'm standing there, and this young, lanky gentleman who has a very distinct look walks up and steps in front of me into the row and looks at me with a smirk, and I went, no. <laughs> Tom Quarry? He goes, hey. I'm like, and I, for, I, he had me baffled for a good five minutes trying to understand why in the world I'm looking at Tom Quarry at a high school basketball game on a Friday night, night before a basketball game on a Saturday, you, you and I were talking off air. That's Tom. He he, yeah, yeah, he, loves he just goes out love. and loves basketball. He's one of America's great sports fans in uh, in every in every sport. Uh, but yeah, he loves college basketball. He loves high school basketball. Oh. He 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 loves it, and uh, it's 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 fun. It's infectious, and um, you know that's one thing that I'm I'm really happy about with this with this uh, program here at Johns Hopkins is we've been really fortunate to have guys who really love the sport. Um, and, and when you love the sport, it, it's just, you're going to put so much time and effort and care into it. And Tom really embodies that he's the, he's the walking embodiment of that. Um, I, I don't think, and this is an unfortunate thing for division three, but I don't think my son's team, which is why we were there primarily, he who was sitting right behind Tom, 
or anybody else in that room building except me realize there was a, a an all-American, a, a, a damn good player on the national level, especially a Division Three, sitting at that game watching. And I know trying to explain it to anybody, it, it would have been understood. But that's incredible that a guy like him just goes out to anything he wants and just takes it in. And maybe an advantage of Division Three, he can fly under the radar. I think I think he'd rather have it that way. I don't think he, he's he's a pretty modest person who would who would much rather have the attention shown upon his teammates. So yeah. he probably he probably enjoys that aspect of it. I, I don't want to uh, make min, uh, meat out of this, but this the thing is, he's the rest of the team is going to get the spotlight a little bit with with Tom uh, now having to miss some games. I'm hearing. Yeah, I mean it's a uh, it's a loss with his injury. Um, again, it's where it's where depth can really help us. We're not yeah. going to replicate we're not going to replicate Tom in our in our lineup. Um, but you know, he he in many ways is inspirational to his teammates with just his presence and and his his enthusiasm for the sport. So he he's he's doing a great job of leading and and being there right now, even though even though he's not on the court for us. No, again, he clearly has a brain for it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he, he gets into coaching um, in some capacity. Smart, Maybe that's, if he's smart, if he's smart, he'll take something else. You know, do something else. Fair, fair. And you have nothing but smart people at Johns Hopkins, uh, obviously. And speaking of that, and my last question, because I, I, I've taken enough of your time, and we got to get going. But Bill Nelson said something fascinating to me, and it, it was a, it's a good thing that he didn't have to do quote unquote recruiting. In other words, he didn't have to beat the bush trying to find players to come to Johns Hopkins that Hopkins in itself recruits, that he got contact information from those who wanted to play. And by the way, we know Bill Nelson had a pretty darn good career as the head coach of the Blue Jays. Is that still the the case in this? Because a lot's changed since Bill was coaching, and a lot's changed since he told me that. Is that still the case that you can self-recruit at Hopkins because the name itself kind of opens the door? Or, Or do you have a different approach to it? I mean, we have a and, and, yes and no. Yes and no. Okay. I, I think that the name Hopkins is well known, and it's a great job. And there are plenty of uh, there are plenty of people who would scoff at me if I tried to explain how hard this job is in certain ways. So I won't. <laughs> um, you know, it's Fair. nice. It's nice to be able to call a recruit and say Johns Hopkins, and and they're <laughs> going to have some working knowledge of what the school is, or the hospital is, or or just. Uh, what we're known for. So, you know, we don't have to, we don't have to sell something that um, is a complete unknown commodity to our recruits, but, you know, I think, I think it's changed. I think we've, we've tried to branch out and recruit a little, a little more nationally. Um, The admission standards have continued to rise as, as we've become the number seven national university in the country. You know, we're, we're, we're certainly, you know, not the easiest place to get into. So we do beat the bushes, but we also have, players on our team who have reached out to us. And, and I think the, the thing about Hopkins is if, if you, if you pursue all of those avenues, you know, if you reach out to as many people as you can to find new names while also uh, looking at all the names that come across your desk player led, um, you can find some really great players who are incredible students. And uh, that's the goal here. And I think we've, we've been fortunate to find so many of them and, and, I, I know I, I love coaching good players, and I, I don't really want to try coaching bad ones. So we've been very we've been very fortunate to have kids reach out to us, but also, you know, 
fly out to events and and uh, see guys in Arizona who might not really know what this is, and then and then have them come out and see for themselves why they want to be here because it is it's a really special place. Yeah, I think that's the part that has definitely changed. I, I definitely see the more national scope uh, with you there. I see we see it with Landry at, at Swarthmore as well, and so. Uh, tip of the hat to you. I was just curious. I know it's something that's yeah. a little different with the school, and there's a number of schools in Division Three like that. Uh, oh, plenty more to yeah. talk to you about, but I, I got to go, and, and I know you've got to go. You got better things to do. Uh, well, I don't but, know about that, but I've other, I have other things to do. Dave. I don't <laughs> okay, know. About we'll that go either. with that. Uh, I appreciate the time as always. Good luck the rest of the way. Appreciate your time as and as always. We give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those tuned in? Yeah, I'm excited for the rest of the season. I think uh, this year in Division Three basketball has been. Super interesting. You know, I, I, I look around on any given game day and I just see a lot of very good teams. And, you know, I think that all of the D3 Hoops pundits, if you will, um, from you to Poppers to Ryan Scott, like, you know, as you try to pair through the teams and sort this all out, it's, it's, it's hard because I think parity in the nation is really good. And I think that speaks to um, the great job that Division Three coaches are doing across the country. And, um, just the level of play in general having risen over the years. You know, I think the 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 sport is in a really good place right now, and it's exciting to be a part of, and I'm glad that you guys do such a thorough job of covering it. Well, thanks. I appreciate that, and I, and I agree with you. I think how much it's changed has been fascinating to watch and really fun to watch as well, and the parody is not a bad thing as much as we may make jokes of it tongue-in-cheek, but uh, yeah. it's, it's no, good it, for the division. It's good for yeah, the division. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. It's really fun. Hey, Josh, take care of yourself. Good luck the rest of the way. We'll look forward to catching up with you down the road. And uh, thanks for coming on the show and taking their time. Thank you so much. I'll see you soon. Definitely. Josh Lovell right. joining us here on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline. Uh, we didn't mention a lot about it. They got, they're got uh, they at home against Washington College. It's probably good they're not going down to Washington College. It's a tough place to play. Uh, then on the road against Ursinus to wrap up the regular season. Then it's conference play. Six teams make the Centennial Conference now. So a little bit different, but they're play, they've got the bye for the first round. Uh, uh, first round along with Swarthmore. We'll take a break. When we come back, we will talk men, uh, women's basketball action as Tucker tries to make an escape out of the studio. Uh, coming up here with Roger Williams. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. 
we've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Sorry, break went a little weird there, but we're continuing on. Some updates. Again, We, I got to stop updating uh, software. I always think it's a good thing, and it ends up always biting me, so we're, maybe you need to stop doing that. Got questions for us? Tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Lots of ways to chat with us. Certainly take advantage of them if you can, and we'll look forward to uh, interacting with you. Uh, when we can. Uh, by the way, speaking of all those, I'll check those once we get into our next segment. Uh, fundraising update up in your upper left-hand corner, and there's plenty of information, whether it's that QR code you can use right there on your screen, or we tweeted it out, put it on our chat boards, etc. Roger Williams women's basketball is having a tremendous season. They are 20-3, and three, of course, coming off a season where they were 25-3. and three. They are 16-0 and 0 in Triple C action. Um, with two games left, they're both going to be at home. Uh, trying to make sure that they remain with, they'll be the home seed, but remain going in the right direction as they got a four-game lead on the University of New England. Joining us to talk about it, a uh, friend of a program, you could say, uh, to talk about it on the hoops on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline, it is Kelly Thompson, the head coach of the Hawks. Coach, first and foremost, congratulations, having a great season here. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a fun ride so far. Eager to see where we go, but uh, just happy to be here. So thanks for having me. Um. Well, absolutely. Thanks for taking the time. It's interesting. You look at the season, twenty and three, but the start, nah. I'm sure you'd <laughs> like to get that one back. Nice, comfortable win over MIT, and then Tufts and Babson said, "Well, welcome to the 2022-23 basketball <laughs> season. Uh, here are your L's to start things over, and um, good luck to you the rest of the way." Losing two out of the first three. Uh, granted, tough teams. Tufts and Babson are both nationally ranked. It's not like you went and swung low at the uh, at the start of the year but that can that can be a bit of a gut check yeah oh yeah i, I mean i i think 
you know, in the CCC, we play 18 conference games. So I really only get seven non-conference to schedule. And, uh, you know, I, I'm always going to reach out and try and schedule the best teams that I can or, or um, you know, who we think might you know, land in the regional rankings at some point, you know, as best that we can. And uh, obviously, you know, Tufts, Babson, uh, Trinity, our three losses, those were those were really great tests for us to kind of uh, be a measuring stick. And, uh, you know, we had a, we had a, a we have a very interesting team where we graduated seven people last year, but we still had a, a really big core group of returners who had played a lot of time. Um, but but we really needed those games to try and help us figure out who the heck we were um, and, and kind of redefine um, what our team was going to look like going forward. So uh, it, it, it was hard to lose. I would love to get those games back now. But, um, you know, they, they were really instrumental in helping us figure out who we were. I'm curious. You talk about always wanting to go out there and challenge yourself. And, and I know that's been your mentality. But how much did you have that mentality before being on the National Committee? And how much, if any, did it change while on the National Committee? Oh, I, I think it I think it gave me really great insight as to if if we want to give ourselves a chance at an at-large, if we don't win the CCC, like what do we have to do to get there? And, um, you know, I, I don't think that I was taking that much care to – understand the process prior to to being on the committee uh, I think I, I think about it a lot more now since then and um, sometimes you know like like five years ago we had eight freshmen on the team we played a really really tough schedule and I think we lost every one of those games to start the year you know but um, <laughs> but then fast forward to last year with those those kids that are now seniors, um, you know, now they're, they're used to playing that schedule. We have, you know, we go six and one or, or something like that in those non-conference games. And, um, it really helps prepare you. So, um, I, I think having that knowledge has been a tremendous help for, for me scheduling. And, and even this year, you know, it's like, we lost those games. We're not going to get any, any, uh, ranked wins that will hurt us in, in terms of regional rankings and where we sit, but I'd True. still rather play those and lose uh, and kind of have a sense of what we need to work on than than not. Well, listen, it helps your SOS as you as you yeah. know, and even with a loss, it at least says you went out there and played regionally ranked opponents right. better than having an absolute zero in that category, because um, mm -hmm. that's going to do worse for you than than the two losses, admittedly. Um, yeah. And it's a balancing act, as as you certainly know. Uh, and teams have found out this year there are teams that are not having the greatest season as they used to have that teams picked up hoping they would. It sometimes just doesn't work uh, well. It's it's not a perfect science. Um, despite those two games, 57 points allowed to Tufts in a loss, 61 points to Babson in a loss. The other loss was to Trinity, Connecticut, out of conference, 58 points. My point being here, if you probably haven't figured it out yet, you're playing some darn good defense with this team. You <laughs> held three very good teams to relatively low scoring outputs. You are tenth in the country in scoring defense at 48 points allowed. Now, I'm I'm not trying to knock your conference because I think the triple C is a little bit undersung, but some of that is some of your conference opponents. But again, as I just showed, your three losses, those those teams didn't exactly dominate in terms of offense. What is that the secret? Is it is it that you want to play really good defense and the offense will come along with it? Oh yeah, I mean, and and if you look at if you really dig into the numbers of our offense, you'll see that, that we we kind of need we need our defense a little bit. I mean, we're we're in the bottom 
I, I mean, I think we're like 399th out of 425 teams in Division Three in, in three pointers made or something like that. So, yeah. you know, we're not we're not shooting <laughs> lights out from downtown, and we were pretty efficient, but we don't take or make a ton of threes. So, we, we have an understanding that we've got to be rooted in our defense. It's way more of a controllable most of the time than offense is. Um, you know, I have a team that really. It buys into it uh you know they're super stingy they they are very competitive we're versatile we're athletic defensively um you know and they really they really want to help each other and so you know that that's a good good recipe for uh getting stops and and when you can combine that with the rebounding it really does make a difference and we've seen that you know in those games um those first two games with you know the the Tufts and Babson you know those are good defensive teams and they they showed us why, but it was a good measuring stick for us to say, all right, we can keep ourselves in these games if we're just defending and we got to get a little bit better offensively. So um, we're, we're going to definitely hang our hat on that for, for this season and hope we can, you know, muster some points out of it in all those big games too. I had to look it up. Um, t- <laughs> 399th in three point attempts. So you don't even take a lot to begin with. Yeah. You take 12 per <laughs> contest. So you, we're already at that point. But you're 103rd in percentage, so, you know, decent at 30%. Um, what's this one? Uh, defensively, you're 42nd in the country. Shocking, right? You're, uh, that goes with good defense. Three-pointers per game, yeah, 393rd, or 363rd. So I get it. It's it's yeah. not the priority thing, and, and so be it. But um, your advantage is you're 28th uh, in the country in scoring uh, difference because while the offense may not be – Stellar, yet defense is absolutely uh, stingy. That said, let's talk about a couple offensive things. Caroline, uh, Ellie, Ely? Eli. Eli. All right. <laughs> I just, yeah, not even close. Uh, 50.2% from the floor, which is pretty darn good. And if I kept reading my note, it says Eli, right? Right there. <laughs> Man, I'm doing so well reading. Maybe I need to get these things checked. Kendi, uh, Kendi. Uh, Kendy Barnard, I just I took the glasses off and then tried to read. Tied for uh, second in the league at 1.7 blocks. Those two, obviously, uh, the nuts and bolts of it to some degree. We're not telling the whole story, but tell me a little bit about those two. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, if you look at the stats for for anybody on our team individually, like especially if you compare it to other other people in our league, like some of the numbers are not as you know, they're not going to blow you out of the water. But if you really watch us play and, you know, you watch somebody like Caroline Eli, you know, she's she's she covers a stat sheet every night. I mean, she's a great rebounder. She is the best defender I've ever coached at any level of basketball. Um, you know, offensively, she can put the ball in the hoop. Um, she's tough as nails. I think she really sets the tone for us um, every night defensively. I mean, she is she's so versatile that you know against tough she she guarded Maggie Russell and held her to eight points and then turned around a few few games later and guarded a speedy little point guard from UMass Dartmouth Jordan Moretti uh, you know and held her her under her average too. So she's super versatile in what she can do. Um, I think we we really get a lot from her and. Um, and then you've got, you know, somebody like Kendi, who I, I think is maybe fifth or sixth in our scoring, 
but she's doing so many other little things, you know, as far as being a great help defender and rebounding, getting blocks, as you mentioned. So um, just like the other coaches on the show have mentioned, there, there's always a, a lot more to the story than just who's scoring all the points. And, um, you know, I could go right down the roster and, and, and talk about each one of those people, um, you know, and, and the role that they play in, in helping us be successful this year. Katie Galligan leading the team at 13.3 points per contest. Uh, Caroline, as we mentioned, we mentioned the seven rebounds, 12.9 points on top of that. Um, again, you, you've got a lot of contributions. I'm curious, last season ended unceremoniously in a, in a heck of a basketball game in the first round of the tournament against Bates. I know it didn't go your way. Is yeah, that you one bring that, that up. Ooh. Oh, I had to. It's, it helps me transition. I know. Um, <laughs> Is that one that's still driving this team? Is it still kind of the the you know the bitter pill, as it were, that that is driving what this season's all about, or is that so far now in the distant rear view mirror that it's not a factor? I don't I don't know that that game in particular, like you know, oh the Bates game, but I do think that the experience sure. of the NCA tournament. Um, certainly resonated with our returners and, and they, they have a better understanding of what the whole um, process is and, um, you know, just the experience of, of, you know, playing in such a big game and in a big environment. Um, and, and certainly there's lessons to be learned there from everybody, myself included. I mean, you know, you don't you give up an 11 point lead with like, you know, a minute 35 to go and you learn some things, but uh you know, I, I think more about the experience that our returners understand and are trying to to get our freshmen to understand, because obviously, you know, as much as a, a freshman wants it, they've just never experienced that yet. So as much as we can help them understand the meaning of it, and that's what we're going to try and do. You also haven't lost a, a conference game uh, since February 22nd to University of New England. We mentioned at the start, you got a four game lead in the conference. You're undefeated. I know a coach probably fears that that's as you hear Tucker whining in the background. Um, that's something that you got to be a little cautious about because you know that there can be a little bit of a of comfort, for lack of a better description, a, a little bit of oh yeah, well of course you know we've got uh, Endicott and Nichols left their home games. We got a four game lead in the conference, but one timely wrong loss or a bad game here and the string's been pulled. How, how do you keep the team motivated, understanding we might be undefeated but in this conference, but it, it, it we've got to keep playing the way we're playing? Yeah, I, I think um, we've been talking for a while about how complacency is going to be our, our worst enemy, you know, and, and we have to do everything possible to avoid that. And, you know, there, there's challenges that come along with, uh, you know, when, you, when you're winning these games to make sure that you're not becoming complacent. And, um, you know, we, it's, it's really easy to, to learn from losses, <laughs> but we have a responsibility as a coaching staff, as, as my assistant, Michelle Sprita said today, she's like, we have a responsibility to make sure that we are learning from our wins too, because, um, everybody, you know, takes a second look when you lose, what, what could I have done better? But you can do the same thing when you win too. And so we're really trying to keep them focused, um, you know, so cliche, but like on the next game, right. Um, but, but also giving ourselves little, little goals for those games and how can we make sure that we are 
really flying into the conference tournament, firing on all cylinders and being ready to, to handle adversity. Because as you know, like just because you, you win the games the rest of the year, doesn't mean you can't lose them when it counts. So um, we want to make sure that we have prepared as much as we can and, and trying to help them stay focused on that too. Uh, we talked about 18 games in the conference. It'll change as this conference has grown while some others in the New England area have shrunk up, yeah, <laughs> uh, almost disappeared. And you get uh, Polly Thomason, fellow yes, we do. Committee, committee member, Polly Thomason, and her Hawks of, of uh, Hartford next season. Give me a sense of just the, the change that this conference has gone through, what you now will go through next year with now a new conference schedule and the new look and and just what it's like to kind of that balancing act and what is i would say an ever-changing triple c because for the last couple of years there's certainly been headlines in the triple c yeah well i you know polly's a friend of mine and i will forever joke with her that there's only room for, for now in this yeah yeah there's only room for one hawk in the ccc there, uh, there you go and, and that's from roger williams but uh <laughs> no i i'm uh i'm actually i'm thrilled to to have uh polly joining she's obviously a great coach and um as i mentioned a friend of mine so having having hartford join will um will definitely be a challenge for the rest of us i mean they you know obviously coming from division one they have a different level of resources that most of the schools in the CCC do at this point. So um, there will be challenges with them joining, but I think um, hopefully it'll elevate everybody. And, uh, you know, while, while Salve is leaving, you know, next year, our, our number of games won't change because of those two sort of trading off, but then the year after we're adding Johnson and Wales. So I'm still not sure what that's going to do to our conference schedule. If they're going to, you know, have us play 20 games or if we're going to do something different. I mean, I, I'm, I'd be really advocating against 20 cause that's just a lot, but um, yeah, listen, you, know, we'll you and Polly, you and Polly have this national perspective where you can come in and go, listen, there's this great model down in the ODAC land where they don't play everybody twice. It's, it's yeah. three times in two years. We can make this work with an ever growing conference. Cause I don't see it shrinking anytime soon, um, yes. but playing everyone twice is the Mayak level. And you've seen that and how that doesn't work. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I, listen, I'm on board with that, but we got to, you know, convince everybody else of that too. So we'll see. Yeah. It means, uh, it means <laughs> scheduling. It means uh, not having the easy way out of your schedule. I get it. Yeah. I hey, mean, the uh, thing is though, is in the Northeast, there's, you know, it's not like we're, we're no. hard pressed to find schools. So no. and the new Max, the new Max always look and the NESCAC's always looking. So it's, it's not hard for us to find them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And those are two other conferences. Everyone doesn't appreciate how difficult it is on the women's side and the new Mac and there it's getting yeah. more difficult there. So right. You got two conferences just in that scope alone that you can yeah. find some games. Hey, Kelly, really appreciate the time. Uh, great to chat with you and have a perspective from you. Uh, congratulations on Roger Williams and how well those Hawks are doing. Uh, look forward to chatting with you about the team and all that further down the road. But as always, we give the coach, the guest, the final word, any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Yeah, I was actually, I was thinking about this earlier and um, Caroline Eli, who you mentioned before, she said uh, in a team meeting to, today, she said, this is the time of year we should be having the most fun. And so, uh, you know, my my plea to the players that are listening is, you know, enjoy this, play with joy. Remember that, like, no matter what your role is on the team, that it's important. And, um, you know, us coaches can really get boggled down by the minutia, um, especially this time of year. So coach with joy. Have fun, enjoy the ride, and uh, and the people that you're on it with. Well said. Well said, Caroline. Eli, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kelly, thanks for the time. Look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks so much, Dave. Appreciate it.
Kelly joining us on the uh, Huddle Hoopsville Hotline. Great to get uh, just a, a, on a sense out of the Triple C, too, about how things are changing there. Uh, for the better, I think, for the Triple C. I think they'll figure out the schedule thing. Again, huge fan of the Yodak model. I think there's a bunch out there who should do it and then play some non-conference games to make it interesting. We'll take a break. When we come back, jump back to men's basketball. Head out to Wisconsin. Matt Lewis from the Oshkosh Titans will join us to talk about just how good his team is, and we know just how good they usually are, but the WIAC has been bonkers. More on Hoopsville here from the WBCA and ABC Studios. These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue along, you just missed it. We just had Tucker in our lap consoling him, having a good old time, giving him some love. We're going to show him on camera because uh, it was working out that way. Well, guess what? Family came home. He heard that and bolted. He, was, he just left. I was. I, I just thought I, thought I had a, a perfect setup here, uh, but oh well. We'll get Tucker on the show some other time than just trying to get out, as you might see. There's a great picture from uh, Ryan Winnable on Twitter. Uh, I got to get going because we behind this is pathetic tonight i got way off uh schedule and i thought i was going to do well tonight uh we haven't talked about oshkosh in a while the men's team is certainly having a tremendous season um 
And it's more about because I was trying to wait and see because you could talk about so many different good teams in the WIAC. Heck, we had lacrosse on. They're in the midst of a two-game losing streak, which was not the plan when we had them on the show. Um, but so many are having good seasons. So many are having good years. But what is blowing me away about Oshkosh is that they are absolutely walking away with it at this point after what I thought was going to be a bonkers tough season in the conference. Uh, Matt Lewis joins us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline to discuss it all. Coach, first and foremost, thanks for joining us on, on the show. Great season so far, uh, despite a challenging and wacky WIAC, which we'll get to uh, in a bit. From But as I said to another coach earlier today, from a macro perspective, what's the Oshkosh season like? Yeah, first, thanks for having me on. Um, I, I've been following along throughout the year, and it, it's been a crazy Division Three year uh, across yeah. the board. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's it's been a fun year for us. I mean, we've we've had our, our challenges, and um, we we've had to learn a lot about ourselves. We uh, have taken a couple on the chin, um, including one back in in November to uh, St. Joseph um, out in the middle of uh, South Dakota. Um, <laughs> Sweet hot bed of Division that. Three, Coach. Hot bed of Division Three. It, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it's a great event. Um, it, it was really cool, but but we had to. We had to learn on on that bus ride home uh, some things about ourselves, and um, we, we've kept getting better and better uh, in the month of January and February, and um, we've been playing some pretty good basketball of late. Um, yeah, you have. We'll get to that in a bit. I did want to talk about kind of what I see as two different seasons, and what stood out finally about you guys is because of that YX uh, rest of it, and we'll get to that in a minute too. But you start off the season, interestingly, 2-2, two and two, beat Lawrence, Lost to Calvin, which we now know is not the worst loss in the world. They're having a tremendous season. Uh, beat Hope. And then, as you point out, out in Aberdeen, uh, South Dakota, you lost to St. Joseph's. Lost by 16, only scored 44 points. You came back the next night against Nebraska Wesleyan and certainly played well. But I think even I was sitting there going, oh, you know, I knew St. Joseph would be pretty good, but maybe this isn't the Oshkosh team that I thought. Then you got five under your belt. I'm like, all right. And then Rippin tripped you up in overtime. What was and, and we should point out. Uh, now I was going to save it, but forget it. Uh, December thirtieth, they lost to Marion, uh, seventy nine seventy four at your place, after beating Ohio in the night before. What was going on in that opening stretch up until December thirtieth? Because from an outsider's perspective, it was hard to gauge. Because we knew you have talent, we know you're a good program, but it seemed like you were tripping on games that I wouldn't expect. It. St. Joseph's about the lone exception. I think the Marion result, the the. The ripping result kind of stood there, going, "Huh, what's going on there?" Yeah, I think one is we we schedule um, as hard as we can possibly schedule, uh, and and literally are hunting the best things we can find um, in terms of competition. And so, and we open with Lawrence, and and that Lawrence game is against um, one of my best friends in the world, Casey Corn. And so we open with a game that's not fun at all, and then we <laughs> hop on a bus. And we drive to Michigan, and and we're we're maybe just enough lunatics to play uh, at Calvin on a Friday and and at Hope on a Saturday. Yeah. Um, and Calvin, you know, you schedule the game, and then they happen to pick up a six nine kid that might be one of the best big kids in the country, um, and and they're incredibly well coached. And so that was a that was a barn burner of a game. Um, turn around and beat Hope on their home court was. That was a tough challenge, and and then you the next weekend. I mean, we get home at 
you know, three in the morning for Michigan. And on Wednesday morning at 8 a.m., you start driving to Aberdeen, South Dakota. And uh, <laughs> I had heard of Aberdeen, but I'd never been on a bus for as long as it took us to get to Aberdeen. And it's a tremendous event out there. And you play what, what now everyone knows is one of the best teams in the country. Um, and those guys really get after it. They defend uh, St. Joseph, obviously, I'm talking about. And so yeah. you you tough one. And then you gotta you gotta play at 10 a.m. the next day versus Nebraska Wesleyan, who we hadn't played since the 2018 national championship loss. Yep. So there was there was no opportunity to sit there and feel sorry for yourself uh, that Friday afternoon evening in the hotel. And the Ripon and Marion losses, like you you play local teams that are well coached. You know, Ripon Ripon is really talented, and they they had beaten Platteville already. They had almost beaten Lacrosse. Um, they had gone down and given Whitewater everything they wanted. Um, Ripon was is talented, and so going to Ripon and losing, um, I mean that that was a challenging game. And if you look at Marion, Marion's doing really well in their conference, and and they're well coached uh, by Drake Deaner. So when when we got to December thirtieth and we're sitting there with some losses, yeah, it wasn't ideal. Um, but but we learned a lot about ourselves through those losses, and we we thought once we got to conference play, we still had room for growth and. We just had to find it. Um, unfortunately, we started out January with a loss uh, at yeah. Eau Claire, who's who's talented. Um, so it didn't get any easier. Um, but but we've just continued to plug it uh, every single day and, and try and find better basketball. Well, well, that's the interesting part because when you lost Eau Claire, I chalked it up to yeah, this Wyack is absolutely nuts this year. We've got so many teams that you think are first, they're not. You've got so many teams that can beat anybody, which is a tradition. You know, listen, everybody can beat everybody in the Y because usually what everybody thinks. But it felt more tur- like it was more turmoil this year. Again, you had lacrosse on, but they were just in the middle of a two-game losing streak. You look at Whitewater, oh, no. Uh, Platteville, I saw them out in Vegas. They looked pretty good. They came out of Vegas playing pretty darn good basketball. You played them, I think, to overtime prior to that. Um Suddenly, you've distanced yourself, though. You've won 10 in a row. You're 12-1 and one in conference play. You're, you've got a three-game lead on lacrosse, four-game lead on Whitewater, which means you've buttoned up the top seed. You've clinched that. It's done and dusted. Um, what ha- what's been the dif- dis- difference? Sorry, difference is the word I'm trying to use. That has put you guys above everybody else who still seems to be taking you know, hits and blows uh, every week amongst everybody else how have you been able to rise above it uh, i think our guys have just continued to invest um we've we've spent a lot of time in the gym uh in the weight room watching film trying to be as healthy as possible and um and we've gotten lucky along the way i mean there's if you go and watch some of those games I mean, we, we were down 15 at platteville and came yep. back down 15 at lacrosse and came back um, we, we were down at Whitewater on Wednesday in the second half. We were down to lacrosse, you know, with eight minutes left. And our guys just, they, they've kept investing in one another um, on the court, off the court, and, and they just keep believing that they can get it done. And, you know, it's it's the WIAC, the WIAC, whatever you want to call it. It, it is um, incredibly competitive. And, and when I was sitting there in early January, did I think we would we would go on the run we've done? Well, probably not. But I thought we had the talent to potentially do something special along the way. Um, but you you just aren't quite sure if you're really going to pull out every one of those games. And so it's been a fun run, no doubt. And, and we've we've been fortunate enough to win some of those close ones. 
Um, but now we just got to take it one game at a time. And, and we've got the pointers on Wednesday at point um, on their senior night. And, and I know that's going to be a really tough challenge because you you don't ever go to Stevens Point and, and not get everything that, that you possibly um, don't want from a competition standpoint. They really get after it. <laughs> Tell me about this team. You're actually led by four seniors. Uh, we've gotten used to conversations on the show this season with see, even senior-led teams where it's underclassmen who are up there with maybe a senior. Last couple of weeks, we've talked to a few programs like yourself where it's all the seniors up there. Levi Borshert, 15.2 points a game. He's also contributing five rebounds, two assists, uh, two steals per contest. Hunter uh Plumman, I can never say it, right? Plumman? Uh, Plumman. Yep. Plumman. I, I knew I was saying it wrong. Thank you, Coach. 14 and a <laughs> half points a game for him, two rebounds per contest. Um, uh, Eric Peterson, 11 points a game. Quint uh, Steckbauer, 10-plus uh, points a game. Um, there's other guys to talk about. There's are, There are underclassmen who are contributing. That's not to say that, but it's four seniors offensively leading this team. How important is this class? Yeah, we, we've got a special group of older guys. And um, technically, we only have three seniors that are going to graduate. Um, Peterson, ah. Plum, and Borchert are all going to be done. Uh, I know the Levi thing, people have been wondering if he's going to use his fifth year. Uh, he is not going to use his fifth year. Hold, um, hold on, he- hold on. Yep, there it is. I just heard the cheering in in the in Wisconsin <laughs> that Levi is not. But yes, I just, I just could hear it coming in all the way here in Maryland. Uh, he's uh <laughs> Le- Levi special. Um they all Yeah, are. he is. Um you know Eric uh Peterson and Hunter Plum and those guys are both fifth years and for sure done and you know Levi's got that that fifth year but he's he's a finance kid and, and a 37 plus GPA and he's already got a job offer if he wants it um and so he's ready to to go and do that and and he's you know he's played since day 1 in Oshkosh and had a full yes. college basketball experience and so we, we respect that decision. And, and um, now if he walks in in July and says, Coach, I want to come back, well, yeah, his jersey's waiting for him. But uh, yeah, please. Uh, <laughs> this is a special group. I mean, you, you, you mentioned Steckbauer, but you, you've got Will Mahoney, uh, who's in his fourth year, and Nick Otto uh, in, their fourth, in his fourth year as well. And um, every guy has found a way to contribute. And, you know, Will Mahoney, I think, just played his best game as an Oshkosh Titan. Some people remember him from early on in his career. Um, on Saturday versus lacrosse, he was phenomenal on both ends of the court and and really it's brought a ton of energy to us uh, down the stretch here. And so I'm just thankful we've got these guys um, and, and we aren't done with them quite yet. And we're just going to keep battling and, and see how long we can keep them. Levi started 70 of his 87 career games. Yeah, he's he's been integral for that program. Obviously, he was integral in your national championship he, uh, amongst other guys. Uh, I know that cha- national championship, it's weird because of the pandemic and the shutdown. In reality, that championship's not that long ago. But I- I'm sure it feels to a lot of you that it's it's been some time, that it's it's a little further back than maybe a, a real champ- a championship like that would be, right? Is that a fair way of, of describing that? Um, I think we all feel a lot older uh, over the last four years. Than- <laughs> yeah. I feel like we've all aged um quite a bit uh through this and i mean we so we we technically only one player on our team was on that championship and that was eric peterson uh our i thought levi guy. was on that team no he came in the next year um oh he, i he apologize and when they were seniors uh 
Levi started oh. kind of alongside those guys. And I just so assumed got, he was on the championship. So, That's also yeah. the pandemic through thro- throws those oh, things yeah. off. Yeah. yeah. But it, I mean, it's, it, it feels like just yesterday in some ways, but then it, it feels so long ago. Um, and, and so we, we try not to, to look back and, and worry about it and think about it. Like there are memories that, that we will, you know, share as time goes on, but, I think the healthiest thing for all of us currently is is to just live in the moment and try and make the most out of the current team always. And so we've basically moved on from it. Um, there are some shirts upstairs and different things, but <laughs> I don't ever put them on. I don't, the ring sits in a, a desk drawer somewhere. Like we, we want something new with this current group, whatever that might be. And so we're really just focused uh, as much as possible on that. I know we're on the small screen here, but real quick, I use a pen here. We do have the Oshkosh jersey hanging. Uh, it was yep. one of the earliest jerseys that we got. Pat um, Yucca mailed you that one. It, yes, you're right. That's that's how that's how early it was as a jersey. I don't know where is it. Um, yep, there it is. So sitting right up here, we've got the bobblehead representing the championship. Let's uh, go. It's miss. It's missing a piece, but no one can really tell from from here, and uh, it's not that important a piece. Um, what I'm trying to say is, if you notice at the shelves here, uh, we've got space. So if you want to send us the championship ring, we can find a nice home for it somewhere. Uh, it, it's not you're not doing anything with it. We're happy to to, to house it. Uh, I mean, Dan Patrick has been the host of of Heisman trophies. We're happy to take a championship <laughs> ring, Coach. If if you promise that you have some. Um maybe home insurance that protects against fire damage. We'll sure. we'll send oh, that thing out there. And then absolutely. you just mail it back in 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. We don't have fire problems here. This studio has thanks been overdone three times thanks to water damage. Um, so, and I think the ring will be fine. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Right here. We'll, we'll put it <laughs> right there. We'll find a home for it. Um, at Stevens Point coming up, you said on the road, obviously that's always tough, even though they're, I'll be fair, they're not the program um, of, of, bygone years but it's still the WIAC they would love to knock off the Titans um and then after that it's conference tournament time and then NCAA tournament time can you afford to even peek at least around the corner a little bit and understand keep winning keep doing well and because things might work in our favor maybe not the first weekend depending on how your women's team is but we we might be able to stay home here we might be able to stay home until we have to go to Fort Wayne. There's a chance at that. Can you even afford to look around that corner? No, no, we we don't worry about it. Um, we're just focused on point and and trying to be as good as possible for Wednesday. Um, anything past that is is too far in front. So we're worried about Wednesday. And and the pointers are, yeah, they they don't have the record they've had you know in years past, but. You walk into that building, there's going to be a heck of a crowd. There's going to be four national championship banners staring at you while you're doing the national anthem. Um, it's it's going to be a battle on Wednesday. So we're going to, we're going to yeah. stay focused there. Quant will still be rocking um, no matter how uh, it's going. And you're right, banners speak a lot. I'm sure walking around a few Wyack stadium or arenas like Platteville, uh, it gets a little old real quick. How how good would it how, – how, how important or how nice would it be to get a second one? Um, I mean, I, I think it'd be cool to experience, you know, any sort of championship with any team we have. Like on Saturday night when we cut down conference championship nets, um, you know, there are a lot of guys on that team that are, that are, you know, early on in their careers and haven't done it much or haven't done it at all. You know, we have you know, a couple of freshmen that have never cut down a net in their athletic experience. And so 
I think winning any sort of thing, um, any type of championship is a special thing that needs to be celebrated and um, create a memory for those guys. And so Saturday night when we cut down that nets um, for those guys, that's incredibly special for me. My, my family was at the game, my, my two little girls and my wife, um, my extended family, my, my mom and dad, like those, those memories are, are things we'll take with forever. And so I don't care what type of championship, championship it is. Let's, Let's win something together and enjoy the ride and, and take it with us down the road. Uh, any trips to Paris in your in your future? We, well, kind of funny you speak that. Our team is going to take 67 people to Prague, Berlin, and Paris. We're leaving uh, May 30th and getting back June 9th. We're flying to Prague for three nights. Wow. Uh, Berlin for three nights and Paris for three nights. We're going to catch um, – a game in each city. We're going to visit an extermination camp. Uh, my wife is Jewish. And, oh. and so when my wife and I went on a similar trip back in 2018, um, oh, yeah. and when, I remember oh, sorry, that trip. 2019, when I, yeah. we won, we went on this trip in 2019. My wife was standing in Prague and said, you need to bring the team here. Yeah. And so we've been planning this for, for five years. And uh, we're going to go and take this incredible trip with uh, 67 people. And, uh, and it's going to be a heck of a memory. So, um, no matter what happens this season, uh, that is definitely something we're looking forward to and, and going to have a lot of fun. Um, I've been to one of those camps. I've, I've spent my time in Europe. Those, yeah, I can't even speak on those camps. They are. Yeah. It, yeah, uh, but we, we went Paris to, is. Yeah. yeah. We, we went to Auschwitz Birkenau. My wife and I did. Oh, and, wow. Uh, that, that experience is, is something that everyone uh, needs to walk through those gates and, and have their eyes opened. Um, it, it was it was something that that uh, we, we will never forget. Um, so no, I went I'm, to I'm, a quote. I'm, I'm, yeah. Go ahead. I'll just say I'm, I'm I'm I don't know if looking forward is the right yeah, way to share yeah. it, but we we I think that taking our young men to to uh, one of those camps is going to be something that that has a profound impact on them, and and so that is something that that we've planned uh, a lot for. Yeah, I went to a lesser camp. I don't think it was an, ex, an extermination camp, but it had torture. It had other elements, and that was enough. Um, I, someday we'll get back to do all that. But I, I made reference to the trip because that's when you found out. Uh, after a national title, It was I, we all thought it was a foregone conclusion, but you finally got the full reins uh, of the program. And that's I was curious if uh, – so we should write down this summer some major news – uh, with you somehow involved. I don't know what it'll be. We'll make it up, maybe. Maybe we'll make it up. Yeah, no uh, idea. Maybe I'll win the yeah. lottery. I can get rid of my 2011 Equinox. <laughs> uh, t- total understanding of that. Uh, don't blame you. Hey, I, I got to let you go, though. I'd love to chat more about the Titans. Um, you know, c- tremendous season. Hats off to that. We look forward to seeing how it all plays out here in the next 14 days just for the regular season. Uh, and then I, I assume we'll be talking about the Titans in March, but I know you're not making that assumption. In the meantime, though, we do give the guest the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? I, I just obviously thank you and, and the people that cover D3. And then I thank everybody that shows up to D3 games. Um, on Saturday, we had an incredible environment. Lacrosse traveled very, very well. And, and that made for a heck of an experience uh, for, for the student athletes that were on the court and, and the coaches and people that are involved in the game. And, I know, I know every game going forward for um, all teams is, is a chance to create something special. And so 
you know, just thank you to the people that support Division Three athletics and, and make this an awesome experience for the student athletes. Yeah, no, well said. Uh, well said indeed, and congratulations. Look forward to talking to you down the road. And if I don't before then, enjoy the heck out of that trip this summer. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Matt Lewis joining us on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline. Uh, again, they're at Stevens Point coming up um, next game. Quick note, if you know a guy named Greek Tragedy, especially from the uh, chat boards, uh, we have we, we should point out he has decided and is trying to get to every single Wisconsin Division Three arena this season. Uh, we'll talk more about this on another show, but because we were talking about the WAC, I had to bring him up. He's close to wrapping it up if he hasn't wrapped it up already. Uh, I've lost track from his last update from us, which is my fault. Um, but he says, home, uh, last update we got from him, this was a, a week and a half ago, home teams are 10-2 and two with me around. His beloved pointers are 3-2 and two with two ni- neutral site games. We'll take a break. When we come back, head out west to Whitman. Talk about the Blues and the Northwest Conference. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To to stop stop sexual sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. There are over 480,000 college athletes. I'm actually going to cut that commercial off. Not that we're selling advertising. Hint, hint. If you want to sell advertising in the show, we will absolutely run your ads. We've been talking to a few companies. Haven't been able to pull it off just yet, but we're hoping maybe you would be interested. Contact us. we got some big shows coming up. We'd love to have some partners on board. Um, get Listen, you get product placement. You get ad, advertising. We can do a read. You get lots of people watching the show. It's a win-win for everybody. Uh, let's jump all the way out. If I had done this right, I would have swapped Ohio Northern and Johns Hopkins segments because then I would have done it alphabetical. But somehow, I wasn't thinking it through. Our last school, alphabetical tonight and on the West Coast, is Whitman. The Blues men's basketball team is having a pretty good season. They'll fly in a little bit under the radar for a host of different reasons, you could argue. Uh, maybe some of them are simply because they're on the West Coast. We've had that long conversation on this show Many a time. It's not a knock at anybody. It's just the way it works out sometimes. As, of course, our Zoom doesn't want to connect. Hold on. Our program 
Yeah, hold on. Got to quit this program and get it back up. Coach will join us here momentarily. Actually, what we can do. Oh, no, I can't even bring him in audio-wise. Coach is being patient. we got to rush because Coach has prior engagements. And with us running late, uh, we have run right into the timing on that. Hold on. Let's see if we kicked it finally. Well, we'll try and do it one other way. This is what happens when you're a one-man band, by the way. Uh, you love to have everything work perfectly. And the computer says, no, wait a minute. Hold my beer. We have other plans for you, young lad. Uh, I'll do that. And then we'll do this and then hopefully there coach is and finally we can go to the hoopsville hotline that is presented by huddle and coach lamana joins us on that line coach thanks for joining us to talk about your blues congratulations great season so far um you got to be thrilled with how things are going uh in a northwest conference that feels a little uh unknown this season yeah no that day first and foremost i appreciate you having me on um love hoopsville and love everything that you do with d3hoops.com and um We've had we've had a good start here and uh, progressed through with the season and um, and one thing about the Northwest Conference I think that um, there's a lot more parity this year I think there's uh, it's more there's more depth this year um, yeah. and and it's made it a lot it's made it fun uh, fun season thus far yeah I think we've seen some of that depth coming for a few years I, the pandemic kind of threw a monkey wrench into the whole thing I, I think we were a little more subtle before that. Um, and then after that, we had more questions than answers because also there were coaching changes. Hello, coach. You're one yes. of those coaching changes um, yeah. taking over the program uh, in the summer of 2020. By the way, terrific timing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to get your sense of just what the season or, or what not only conference has been like, but from your perspective, because your eyes are different to it than maybe the coaches we've normally had who have been ensconced in it for eons and, and many years. What What's it like in the Northwest Conference? You talk about the, the parity, but you guys are now, you know, on top of the conference. And, and I, as a guy who's followed this conference a long time, I don't, I don't, I don't understand the conference this year. I, I, I can't get a read on it. Yeah. Well, uh, one thing that uh, I've been fortunate, I've, I've, with my coaching career, I've coached, I was a head coach of division three out in Ohio. And so yep. I've been out of the region and so forth and, and um, being able to experience that level of play that we saw within the Midwest and even in the Northeast. Um, and then to come out here West and to, uh, to experience the level of play that we have here in the Northwest conference. Um, it, it just, for me, it just seems it's, it's, equally good across the board. Um, and I think what we're seeing is that our conference is getting stronger. I think that we have, um, we're, as you've shared in terms of having other people on the show and you've discussed, we, we have a, a location issue in regards to a touch points of being able to get out and play other D3s, which affects us a bit. But in terms of my experience coaching in Ohio and now coaching here in the West, um, we're, our conference is just as good as as what I experienced uh, in, in my previous stop. And so um, I'm looking forward to seeing how whoever comes out of the conference and seeing what they're going to be able to do in the uh, in the NCAA tournament. Quickly about you, if I'm not mistaken, weren't you at Franciscan when we had you at the Hoopsville Classic? Yes, yes. You yeah. and I got to meet each other years ago. Yes. And yeah. The, and no, no. The original, the the inaugural. The um, inaugural so. event. I thought yes. that was the case, but it was one of those where I've forgotten when the inaugural event took place. Yeah. Um And I and I and I wasn't positive if you were if you were still the coach. I. It's one of those where you recognize faces, but you don't remember why. 
What? I had hair back then. Well, fair. Uh, yeah. I had darker <laughs> hair back then. Um, I, I don't want to derail from your team because we have a lot to talk about and not a lot of time. But how did you get from Franciscan to where you went through coaching? Ended up, I think, in Florida before you ended up taking the Whitman job. Yeah. So it's a it's a double question. How did you – what was that coaching route like? And you don't have to be too detailed if you don't want, but how did you then find Whitman? So um, so it started I – w- I was at Franciscan. That was my first head coaching job. I was there for right. four years. And then um, I got hired as the head coach at Ave Maria University down uh, just outside of Naples, Florida, which is an NAIA. And um, that kind of came about because Ave and Franciscan, they're they're real competitors in terms of schools and just sure. just in terms of attracting students. And so um, so that was a, a kind of a natural transition and so forth. And then I'm originally from the West Coast. I'm originally from Spokane, Washington. And oh. Whitman – yeah, Whitman has been a school that um, I've always desired to be the head coach at. I just think it meshes perfectly the the eliteness of academics and and the type of um, transfer transformational ed, uh, experience that the kids get here on this campus, and then the competitiveness of basketball. And um, to bring those two together is just um, something that I've desired and I've looked for. And Whitman is kind of that sweet spot for me. And plus, it's close to where all of my family is and so forth. And with my three young kids, we have a chance to raise them near grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, which is, uh, which is a rarity. So, uh, Admittedly, as much as I read your bio, I totally forgot. Uh, the last line of it does say a native of Spokane. I just didn't realize the connection you have with trying to uh, coach a Whitman or, or would a Whit, would a Whit, would a Whit, ah, my attempt to speak take two. Would a Whitworth would also be in that or was it really more about Whitman? No, it was really more about Whitman and um, real specifically the, the academic piece uh, is just more, just with the Division three level. But it's just we have a real niche here. And yeah. I, I do think that's, that's important in terms of uh, just as I look at schools and the schools that I'm interested in, that that niche piece is 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 a huge selling point. And, and we have that. And um, and that's why I'm here at Whitman. Um, back to your season, kind of all over the place. Uh, big win against Carthage to get things going, and Carthage has been certainly on the national radar quite a bit. A win over Carroll, then a loss to North Central. Uh, you guys made the trip out to Wisconsin for that, obviously, to play Carroll and then North Central. Uh, then back home to play Sol Ross State. Then Maine Fort Kent, who at one time thought about coming into Division Three. Uh, a game against Walla Walla in a conference play, out against Northwest Indian. Uh, and then back into some other games. You, you had a, a game that we certainly had our eye on with Muhlenberg there yeah. uh, on December 29th, uh, where you played them at home uh, and lost 65-63. That was when Muhlenberg had kind of hit its zenith to some degree and then into conference yeah. play, lost too. That's where I've been struggling. It feels like it's been a roller coaster. Yeah. Well, it's kind of a little bit um, – I, I think we're, we're a victim to, to our scheduling a, a bit to where if we, we look. We had North Central. That was our third game in four days, um, and that's just – I'm. Yeah. after flying out and I'm, I'm not making excuses but it's no just, no it's just it's a lot and we jam-packed uh that trip because we felt that that was important out of region um competition and so forth and then and then uh muhlenberg coming out uh, post christmas they were they were excellent they had great wins coming into that game they were undefeated at the time coming into that game yeah and we played them really tough to be really we had 
we had the ball for, with one with a 40% three-point shooter wide open to hit a shot and he missed the shot and that would have won the game. And so, you know, it's it's just one of those things and we've been able to kind of bounce back and push through from there. We dropped two conference games thus far and um in any case, I think that's going to happen uh, from time to time as you go through the conference play. But yeah. um, we feel good about where we stand right now, especially coming off the week with with not just uh, who we played, but but how we played. We were we feel like we're trying in the right direction. Talk about this team. Um, is it Xavier? Lino, yes. Exactly, Xavier. Well, the Z that throws me. Xavier Lino, uh, fourteen points a game, six rebounds per contest. Um, one of your Top assist guys gets a handful of steals as well. Um, he's what one of four guys in double figures. Yeah. Two of or one of them uh, has had a single start of your top five scores. Two of them are coming off the bench. Um, I'm gonna screw up Jai's last name, so uh, let's not let's not embarrass him. Um, His first Walter, name is Jay, though, just so you know. See, I, I, let's just go for it. Let's okay. just screw it all the way up. It's been that kind of night for me. Um, Walter Lum. Uh, Murphy, Caffo, a bunch of guys are, are making waves. But when we usually have talked about Whitman basketball, we've already known these guys. We, we, we know who this team is. It feels very unknown, and maybe it's just me. Introduce us to these guys. Introduce us to what that makes this team click. Well, I, I think what kind of as you shared uh, statistically across the board, how we're really balanced, that's where our strength lies. We just – we're, we're going to have, we don't know exactly who, but we're going to have somebody that's going to really kind of go off for that night. And it just kind of floats around and it's, it's not one, one particular guy because of that. I think that makes us really difficult to go against. Um, it's usually easier as a coach, I can dial in and say, Hey, we got to take this guy out or we need to need to figure out, we got to reduce touches here and so forth where we have so many points that we can, we can get um, scores from or something. I mean, points, just so many spots on the floor we can get uh, scoring from. It really diversifies how we can attack teams and, and it allows me as a coach to kind of start picking and choosing based off of how they're guarding us, how we're able to, to find those points. And the one thing is earlier in the year, we actually we're, we're a good three point shooting team. We just didn't shoot the ball as well as we can during the first half of the season. And now since we've got well into January and into February, we're really starting to see our shooting numbers just just increase. And that's why that's why we see ourselves and our, our play increasing. So. It definitely looks balanced. Uh, when you yeah. look at it, though, from an overall perspective, you've got two games left at home against Willamette and Linfield, and then conference action. Are are is this one of those where everybody in the Northwest knows you got to go win the conference if you have any NCAA hopes, or do you think you've got an outside chance of trying to get in that large, or can you just not afford to think that way? Uh, well, I don't think we're going to get at large based off of how the voting has has progressed. I mean, um, I, I would have thought that we would have. We would have gained a little more um, votes nationally across the board just because we, we did have a couple uh, non-counter games with our schedule, but our games that were counters were solid um, and we were on the road and played out of region. But needless to say, I do think that we're going to be a one bid conference. And so right now our whole focus is on we got to get through this weekend so we can host. So the one seed hosts in the in the conference tournament uh, in the Northwest Conference and we want to host. And then it's the focus is, is how do we win the conference uh, tournament? Yeah, conference tournament is certainly going to be important. You've got at least, if, uh, if I understand this right, you've got 
you've got number one sewn up. So, right? Or is there an outside chance that that you, could end? You know what? I, I'm not the person to ask. I just know that right now we are, uh, if we were to lose two games and UPS were to win two games this weekend, we would tie. I don't know who owns the tiebreaker. I'm just focused in on if we got one win this weekend, we outright uh, hold the one seed. So that's where my focus lies. Well, obviously, yeah. I mean, you guys have split, so that makes it more complicated. That's why I wasn't yeah. sure if, there, if anyone knew the tiebreaker yet. Well, and good luck I am to you. Not sure right now. No, I don't blame you. And I realize, hey, get one win here. Um, yep. And it pretty much is a, a mute point. Um, I know you got to run. I appreciate your time. I uh, would love to talk more about the Blues at a later date with you, especially your travels to get yeah. out to Northwest. Well, leave Northwest and then get back to Northwest part yes. of the country. But we always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Oh, no, just uh, just we appreciate those that are that are tuning in just with your overall support with Div- Division Three basketball. And uh, and I'm grateful for everything that Dave, you do and D3hoops.com does to help promote the game. So I appreciate that. Well, thanks, Coach. I appreciate the kind words. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. I look forward to catching up with you down the road. Thanks for reminiscing a little bit, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you sometime in, this, in the future. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Absolutely. John Lamana joining us here on the Huddle Hoopsville Hotline. Busy. We're running behind, so we had to make that one a little bit tighter, but really appreciate the time he gave us. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Akiva Poppers and Ryan Winnable. They're our double-take crew for this evening. They'll give us their thoughts on the men's top 25, including their dubious deep dive and debatable squads. And uh, then we'll wrap things up. You're listening. You're watching a supersized edition of Hoopsville tonight. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3sports.com. You can also join us on our live streams, whether it's on YouTube, the simulcast, youtube.com slash Hoopsville, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash D3Hoopsville. We'll try and answer your questions no matter which route you choose. Um, Plenty more ahead right here on Hoopsville. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault.
I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. Welcome back to Hoopsville. We start with the um, Give Butter uh, tote board, as it were, and we have to update our little total at the top. We are officially over $2,000 thanks to a donation moments ago. Our goal is $5,000. Our bigger goal is ten, but our initial goal is $5,000. I want to thank all of those, including Dan, who have now given us uh, at least more than that. Uh, it helps a lot to keep this program moving along in its 20th season. It is much appreciated. There's plenty of information on our Twitter account, social medias, and everything. Uh, you can also just reach out to us if you want to ask us, and we'll certainly let you know um, what we've got going on in terms of uh, how you can give, whether it's uh, – um, Give butter, or you can give it to us uh, via Venmo, or if you want to write a check, whatever the case may be, we will certainly let you know how to get it to us, and we certainly appreciate all of you who have donated to the cause. Uh, and we're looking at other ideas in the future uh, as well on, on how you can give to the show. I know a lot of you have thought about it, and we, we really appreciate it. And again, I'll, I'll update our tote board here in just a moment. Wasting little time, getting right to our Huddle Hoopsville hotline. Uh, and joining us to talk uh, Division Three Men's Top 25. It is our double-take team for the squ- for tonight. It is Ryan oh, Winnable in the upper left, and it is uh, Akiva Poppers sitting there on the upper right for you viewing at home. And, gentlemen, thanks for taking the time. This season continues, Ryan, to not disappoint. It continues to be bonkers. No, you're right. Um, every every week's a challenge putting together the ballot. I think I, I, I had a tweet uh, on Sunday that I, I tend to spend most of my time on 20 through 25, it seems like. You know, the, the first 10, 15 now, at least at this part of the year. Um, and it looks like, you know, looking at the poll that just came out today, voters have kind of coalesced around a group uh, at, at the top. But it's it's kind of a, a carousel at the, at the back of the pack of, of teams every week that is just shuffling around and, and every time you feel like you've, you've you've kind of zoned in on one they they you know they take a loss and then you kind of shuffle them out and start over the next week. Uh, agreed. I noticed when I did mine, I think I got down to eleven. Where I may not have had the same order, but I pretty much had the same eleven teams, and the differences in the order was minimal. Uh, after that, free for all. And absolutely the last five, six even, I have no idea. Because at that point, I'd lost track of where anybody was that it was coming up on mine, and I didn't know who was where. Akiva, similar, different? What's your perspective on that? Yeah, this was maybe the first week all year where there were a couple of teams which I'm not confident in, where I had them on the outside looking in last week. And I was like, okay, I I guess I should put them in because – who else am I putting there? Um, there have been a lot of weeks this year where I've wanted to rank 30 teams, and this was one of the weeks where I wanted to rank 20. Um, but um, the the general theme over the course of the year has held true. This past week, no different, just happens to be that a certain subset of teams lost um, all in the same pack on my end. Um, so that made things difficult for this week's ballot. Oh, yeah. I, I, I had... 
Go ahead, Ryan. Right, go ahead. Point. I, I wanted to leave 25 blank this week, um, and, and the system will not let you do that. So uh, I couldn't decide, just left it blank. But Well, Yeshiva, I think, is... Uh... <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, deep reference. Deep reference. Um, I had three literally together as a pack that I needed to make a move on, and I, I had to shift them all together, and they stayed together because I had no argument to shift them around, but then that makes a big group, so you got to move some way higher than you want to. Um, and, and I got to the end, I'm like, oh, absolutely going through my top 25. I'm like, I, I think I got room to put that one in and that one in, absolutely, and I looked and went, got room for one. I've, I've got six, seven, eight teams I'd consider. I got room for one. So either I got to dump teams. No, it, yeah. It's interesting, but it's not a bad thing. As we were talking with uh, Josh Leffler or uh, with somebody else tonight, the parody's been fun, too. It, it it adds intrigue to the season. It makes it more interesting than just being so top-heavy, and we're talking about the same teams over and over. Speaking of the top 25, we have you guys on because we have our deep dive, our debatable, and our dubious selections. Deep dive, for those of you just tuning in, is a team that maybe they're getting some votes or some points somewhere from a voter, but not a lot or they're not getting any attention at all, including from ourselves, and one of these two gentlemen wants to at least bring their resume to the table. Uh, dubious is the opposite. They're definitely getting a lot of love, and maybe this, maybe we feel that they're getting too much love. They're a little too high. Maybe they, they still deserve a top 25 recognition, but maybe in a different spot. And a debatable is kind of the wild card. Let's talk about a team. Uh, Ryan Winnable, we'll start with you. We'll start with Deep Dive. Curious on your Deep Dive choice for the evening. Yeah, and I'll piggyback off the last interview you just completed, and I couldn't believe, going back through the discussions we've had this year, we haven't talked about Whitman on this show. Um, no, so, no. yeah, let's, let's let's talk about the Blues. You, you talked a little bit about the schedule and how it's gone out uh, so far. They took a trip out to Wisconsin, you know, the back at the beginning of the year, uh, split with Carroll and North Central. Uh, that North Central game wasn't, wasn't super close, but uh, certainly a quality opponent there. Um, over the break, they took a loss to Muhlenberg at home, uh, lost the first go-around with Whitworth at home. Uh, and then the, the one real blemish on the resume that I would say that they have is a home loss to Puget Sound, uh, 83-79, back on January 27th. But this team, uh, this group has been really good since then. I think the one that really caught my attention was last week, the road win at Whitworth, uh, 85-67, almost a 20-point win on the road at Whitworth. Um, they've got that conference almost wrapped up. Um, you know, everything is going to go through Whitman's home floor. Uh, you know, they're, they're probably the favorite uh, to get to the NCAA tournament out of the Northwest Conference this year. And I think, you know, the, the thing that really stands out about Whitman is is how young this team is. And, and you mentioned yeah. in the interview, you know, some of the names being different this year and we don't know the names. I think they're starting three freshmen and a sophomore in the starting five. And, and I think that, you know, that fifth guy's a junior. So no, no seniors in the starting five for Whitman right now. Um, you know, that's a program that, that was a, kind of a household name for many, many years under Bridgeland. Uh, they seem to be building something really good back there again, and, and they could be, you know, a, a surprise in the tournament even this year. I agree with you. And by the way, that loss to Muhlenberg was when Muhlenberg was probably at a zenith, absolutely on fire um, yeah. and a good team. And so it certainly stood out. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I had him on because I was like, darn it all. We just don't know this team. And yet they're at the top of the conference. Akiva, any any follow up on that? Yeah. Um, first, it's a I mean it's this logical pick, obviously, based on how they've played in the past week. I have to admit, I have not watched a lot of Whitman, and when I learned sure. that Ryan was picking Whitman, I had to watch a little bit of them. 
Um, and I like how they move the ball a little bit, and they have a little bit of post play. So um, they have the makings of a team, which I wouldn't be shocked to pull an upset or two if they do make the tournament. Uh, but with that said, as we know, Bob Quillman is a very big Northwest Conference guy, and he is not ranking them. And, you know, he always wants to rank a Northwest Conference team. So if he's not ranking them, then obviously they're not deserving of a look. Uh, but other than that, I uh, I think I think there's there's something there, obviously, uh, with them being young. That is something to, to go off of. I know they were, like, a little bit on our radar coming into the season. Uh, obviously, the early results kind of knocked them off the radar. But who knows? I, yeah, I agree with Ryan that they're the favorite in that conference uh, going into the tournament. And they haven't lost this year on the road. They've only lost once on a neutral site. So that is something good to keep in mind, given the fact that they will be going on the road if they do make the tournament. Yeah. Somebody um, is voting for Whitman now. Uh, yes. The new oh, bullet just came vote. out. They have one vote. One vote. Yeah. Somebody put him 25th. Uh, it is not I. Uh, not for any other reason, as I said to you earlier. I just don't have the space for a lot of good teams. Uh, I think another aspect of this is Coach Lamana. Um, uh, and I'll admit, he was at the, the – the inaugural Hoopsville Classic, and I forgot that that's who it was. Like, there's been enough of a gap there where he left Division Three and Franciscan where he was wasn't that successful, and that, I don't think that was an, uh, a program issue. I think that's an institutional one. Uh, but he does, you know, he left and went to the NAIA in Florida, and then all of a sudden pops back up on the West Coast, and we got so used to Coach Bridgeland that we understood what that Whitman was. Literally during the shutdown of the pandemic, they change it all, and we're still now getting used to a very different Whitman program. And so I think that's a little bit of where we're trying to understand them. But you know, they could they could be just as dangerous as they have in the past. Uh, Kiva, your deep dive choice. Yeah, so it's February thirteenth, so there aren't going to be a lot of teams which no. aren't really on the radar at this point who we think have the potential to do some damage in March, which is ultimately what we're looking at here uh, with a deep dive come mid-February. You want a team which could make this week 16 in essence and end up on the ballots at the end of the season. So I'm not going to name a team which which has come out of nowhere. I'm not going to name some random team which no one's ever heard of. Uh, I will name a team which I don't even think is that great and I think doesn't deserve to be ranked right now but has the potential to be ranked come March in NYU if they make the tournament, obviously. If they don't make the tournament, they're not going to be ranked. Uh, and the simple reason why is that while they're 4-7 in conference play and their style isn't really built to win against teams in the conference who defend, who are bigger than them, who don't turn the ball over, because those are really the three places where if you look at NYU, they struggle against post-play, they struggle against teams which don't allow middle drive, and they're so good in transition that if you don't turn the ball over, that takes away a significant amount of, of what their game is. There's a reason why they went 11-0 in non-conference, and they smashed Hanover and, and Roanoke. Although the Roanoke game was probably closer than the final score may indicate, they have yeah. the potential, if the matchups go right, I think, to make the Sweet 16 if they get into the tournament. And right now, Drew Pastor has them on the bubble if they go 2-1 and one in their final three. And in if they go three and zero at Rochester at Emory versus Brandeis, they could be off the table come Sunday. Uh, but they also could be in really really good shape come Sunday. Um, so I, I had to throw them out there as a team which has that yeah. potential. And and I would also add Spencer Freeman. He's probably not going to end up first team 
All-America just because uh, his stats in conference play haven't been incredible. But well, there's also is, a lot of good players. <laughs> yeah, but he is he's a no doubt about it All-American and the the best player on the floor by far in, in most of the games that they would play uh, in the, if they play in the tournament. Um, and having the best player on the floor obviously makes you a very dangerous threat. Um, so if they do get matchups which work for them in the tournament, like if they if they play St. Joseph, Connecticut, who guards bad matchup. If they play maybe I don't want to throw out I don't want to throw out names, but if they play a team which is more predicated on which is a more quick paced, um, smaller team, I could see them winning that game, getting to the Sweet Sixteen, upsetting the home t- home, home the, the the host of the pod um, in the round of thirty two. I was fascinated to see how they would do in the in the conference after that win over Roanoke. I agree with you. I don't think the score was indicative of the of the game, but still uh, an impressive win. Um, and I was actually I, I mean, listen. I'm not surprised that they lost in conference. I think that was to be expected. I, I'm more surprised that they haven't been able to, if they're as good as as maybe they they seem to be, be able to rise to the top in what has been a tr- tumultuous. I can't say it right, but you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, conference race. Um, and, and I kind of chuckle out of the, the broadcasters at the end of the game against, was it Wash U on Sunday where they got the win? They're like, yeah, sure. they're, st- they're still alive in the NCAA tournament. I went, oh, <laughs> I mean, by alive, yeah. do we mean you're on life support? Like, what does alive it's, mean in your it's book? It's possible. It's possible. Um, I mean, I'm they sure, finish sure 18 and 7? Yeah, if they win out, they're 18 and 7, then they're in for sure, yeah. Uh, I, at SOS, uh, we'll see. I mean, I, this week yeah, will be I, a I sh- tell. This week I, will I be a tell. I should add, though, that the last three games have been their best three shooting games in conference. Absolutely so agree. If so, they can so continue that. So they're starting that, to feel it. Yep. Yeah. And by the way, the future looks great, especially if they can schedule like they did with Roanoke and get out of the New York Metroplex. If they can start traveling and going to games and challenging themselves absolutely agree that this is this is the NYU we've been expect, waiting and expecting for and maybe they'll finally get to play on their home floor next season <laughs> barring any more pipes break um but no good choice uh Ryan I I hogged that I didn't know if you had any take on that you know I don't know if there's a, a team this year that that voters have yo-yoed and knee-jerked on more than NYU this year um <laughs> you know we were all ready to crown them national champions after that we hold well, on I, we <laughs> there were there were several that that maybe went in that direction, but um, you know, the the, yes. the Brandeis loss it really seemed like everyone kind of jumped off the ship uh, very very quickly. Um, you know, I, I just they've, they've been in competitive in a, in a lot of conference games this year, and they've you know obviously the UAA is very very tough this year. I just haven't seen the consistency in the results from them in conference to make me think that that this is a team that can make a deep NCAA run if they can even get into the tournament. Um, but as you guys mentioned, they looked good this past weekend. The win against Washu was promising. So they're certainly a dangerous team if they can get a good matchup in the tournament, as, as Akiba mentioned. I think this weekend is is really going to be, you know, at Emory and at Rochester. Those are two very, very stiff tests that, you know, with their seasons on the line, uh, I think we're going to see, you know, what 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 NYU's season is going to look like here by the by Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I totally agree. Absolutely agree. There's a lot to play for in that UAA. Still a lot to a lot of tough challenges ahead of them in the three games remaining. Um, all right, dubious time. Uh, Giva, we'll start with you. We'll go to the dubious. This is a flip of the deep dive. This is the team maybe getting a little too much love, like NYU was at one point in time. <laughs> <laughs> Just for one week. Yes, I, exactly. 
It's a team which I liked a lot coming into the season, but had concerns about. And there's one concern which I didn't expect to have, which I still have in mid in mid February. Mid November would be something else, which I still had in I still have now, um, which I did not expect to have, which is that John Lowther for WPI is shooting forty percent from the floor, and that's that's a big problem. Uh, I mean, this is a team went to the Elite Eight last year. Matchups kind of went their way a little bit, but they were a legit team. Um, and they graduated a couple of guards, but they returned their core. John Adams, really good big. John Lowther, yeah. really, really good big. Aiden Callahan, nice point guard. So, But the question marks coming into the year that everyone had, guard play, depth. So they've had some guards step up. Um, depth is still a big issue. I don't think anyone's surprised by that. But you... This is a team which is predicated on getting stops. They're not an offensive juggernaut. And when your best player really offensively is shooting 40% from the floor and 27% from three, that is a problem. And uh, I I remember John Lowther when he was a freshman. I watched him in person, actually. I was one of the few people who had the privilege of watching him in person in the NCAA tournament. Uh, and he was he was something else. Uh, but I don't know what has happened to him in this senior year. Um, and to add weirdness to the whole thing, his free throw percentage is way up this year. So I don't really know what's going on with him. Um, I do know that if John Lowther is at full strength, WPI is going to be very dangerous because they get stops. And a team which gets stops and has post-play and can hit three-pointers is dangerous in March. Um, but of late, they haven't really done much great. They lost at Emerson, not a terrible loss. They beat Babson by one. Mm. They beat Coast Guard by seven. Okay, it's at Coast Guard, not an easy place to play. But they haven't really gotten rolling, and it's about time to get rolling. Uh, so I have them, I think, at 24, right at the bottom of my ballot, um, because they are a top 25 team, I think. But uh, that potential which I see in them hasn't come to the fore yet, and I'm still waiting. I, get you. I love your breakdown, sir. Uh, it's it's that's a great in depth uh, take on them. Um, I got I got nothing to follow up because I'm I feel like from my perspective on them and and I, I'm still trying to maybe put my finger on them. I I've been wishy washy. Like I, I was really stoked on them at the beginning of the season. I fell off hard. I started to come back. They got into that area where I can pull a team easily. They got pulled, and I haven't bought back in. And postseason has never, never attribute, never been what we've wanted it to be. So I'm in this no man's land with them, Ryan. I, I really agree with Akiba here. Uh, Akiba thinks that they're still a top 25 team. I haven't been voting for WPI for for several weeks now, and yeah. I see a lot of the same problems. I think. WPI, when you watch them, they are one of the elite defensive teams in the country, and they certainly Fair. do get a lot of stops. My concern for them in, in an NCAA tournament setting is just getting enough baskets. Um, you know, you're eventually in a, in a tournament, you're going to run into some quality teams that could score against quality defenses. And I think there's a ceiling on, on how far WPI can go in the national tournament with the way that the offense has been playing so far this year. And, and then, uh, quite frankly, I see the same issues with somebody like a trine um, to a, to a degree, also a Calvin uh, who, who, you know, very, very elite defensive teams um, who, who just are going to struggle, I think, against some of the better offensive teams when they get, if they get to a national tournament. No, I agree. I think, I think WPI is just a, 
Listen, I, I would love to see them break through. I would love to see that program get to a championship weekend. I, I think what they've done over the years has been pretty impressive. I just there seems to be a wall that they can't get over, um, and it it just gives me pause every single time. And we'll see how it plays out. Um, Ryan Dubious. Uh, this is this is a bold one, um, and I and I know that going in here, but I'm going to go St. Joseph, Connecticut, uh, our number one team in the poll, the top 25 uh, for for several weeks running now. And I, I want to preface it by saying that I, I don't disagree that that St. Joe's has has earned that number one spot. I, I think you look at their resume and and how they've taken care of a business in conference and the way that they scheduled their non-conference and and got the results that they did. You know, wins over Oshkosh. Illinois Wesleyan, Tufts, uh, Babson, uh, the WPI that we, we just discussed. Um, I think for me, it's more of, you know, is there a potential for St. Joe's to crash out early in the tournament? And when I mean early, I mean the first weekend. You look at the, the you know, the greater Northeast uh, conference this year, it's, it's, it's not never been, you know, real strong conference. I was thinking through Massey earlier today. Uh, WP, or, I'm sorry, St. Joe's has not played a Massey top 110 team in 2023. Uh, the last, you know, quality opponent that they have played was WPI. Um, and I worry, you know, as you go through the, mo- I don't want to say going through the motions, but as you, as you play that type of schedule for weeks on end, and then suddenly you get to the NCAA tournament and, you know, that second round game is, you know, a NESCAC team or, you know, possibly a WPI again, can they ratchet up the gears um, when they haven't needed to the last, you know, two months of the season? Um, and so that's that's my concern with St. Joe's. I think, you know, that conference can hurt in that way when, when you're playing that well and you're that far of a level above the rest of your conference mates. And, and you start to worry about, you know, can they bring it when 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 the lights go on in that first week of the tournament? No, oh, great perspective. Uh, I I can't disagree. Akiva, I'll I'll let you have the first retort. Yeah, uh, Brian makes a good point. Um, Personally, I'm not ranking them number one at this point because I didn't like how they responded. Uh, If you recall, they almost lost to LaSalle, and then they played Colby Sawyer that weekend and were not in good shape at halftime, and they won, but they should have destroyed Colby Sawyer, frankly. Um, But I'm open to changing that. If they play better down the stretch, then... Randolph Macon and Christopher Newport, the two other teams which I've had in some consideration uh, for the number one spot. And the, the the issue which I've seen with St. Joe's, which I think Ryan touched on a lot, is that their final scores are often deceiving because they don't lock in until there's 10 minutes left and they're up by 10, and then suddenly they're up by 35 because they're that good defensively. And I get it. it you know, It's tough to stay focused when you're playing not great teams every single night. Um, so I have no doubt that St. Joe's is legit. I like how they've kind of changed their style this season. They were for the last three to four years, they were really a transition team. And this year they focused in on being defense first, which has led to them being more of a half court team. Uh, the problem which goes with that is that when you're more of a half court team, you don't score as much as you do when you're a transition team. And so if they're not locked in defensively to start a game and they're playing a legit team in the tournament, they could be in some trouble. I'll say this. I moved them from one to two, strictly not based on them, more based on Macon. Macon was continuing to go through 
one of the tougher conferences in the country, top five as we've all said, and deeper this year than it's than it's been in quite some time. Undefeated. I mean, it, it's mind blowing to me what Macon is doing with a, not a new team, granted, but certainly a different team when you don't have one of the best players that has played Division three basketball ever on your squad anymore. And they are extremely defensive-minded. So I, I moved St. Joe's to two, but it wasn't because of them. Except they did have a couple of results against some conference mates. And again, conference games, I appreciate, are tougher than any others because everybody knows you. You can be the best team in the country and still get dinged. And so they had a couple couple of, of, of close outcomes, but it gets back to my making point. Look what making is still doing. They haven't lost a conference game since I believe pre-pandemic shutdown. So I just moved making ahead of them. That's it. I think St. Joseph is still dangerous. I think they're defensively a a very good team uh, and can lock it down when necessary. And offensively, they can explode when and if necessary. What will be interesting moving forward when we get to the tournament, which they will likely be undefeated, so they will have a lot of attention, not going to be the number one seed most likely, Now everyone knows. Now they get the bigger guns. Can they adjust and be just as locked down on defense and just as amazing on offense against an Oswego, who I think is right now dangerously good? Can they be that good against a Swarthmore? Can they be that good? And I'm picking out teams that they're most likely going to bump into. That's going to be the test. But I... Listen, I get your points. I don't disagree. I think about it all the time, but I still think they're a better team. How many times? Benedictine came out of their conference undefeated, got all the way to the championship game. Um, Cabrini, let's go back a bit, came out of their conference, got all the way to the championship game. These teams can't exist. They can't exist. It's just hard to gauge them when they're coming out of a conference that doesn't tend to provide the challenge nor provide the scope or the, or the, or the, or the, optics to let you understand really how good they are. But I, I, I think your points are very valid on that. And sorry, I went completely off on a tangent there, but you, I just had all these thoughts suddenly in my head about St. Joe's. Um, let's move on to dubious and uh, Ryan, or not dubious, sorry, debatable. Uh, and Ryan, we'll, we'll let you have this one. Yeah, I'll, I'll go to the SAA and uh, talk about Barry, uh, the number 23 in the poll this week. Uh, this was another one, we lo- you know, looking through past show. I could believe we hadn't debated uh, Barry to this point. Um, the SAA, SAA, that's another conference that, that's struggling, to be fair, this year. Um, not a lot to really gauge from, from, from you know, the games that Barry has played in conference. Um, they've obviously taken care of business as well. But when you look at, you know, from a quality standpoint, quality games, that I, as a voter, am judging and, and, and watching Barry. You know, there's really four of them that stand out that all took place before Christmas. You had the trip to Maryville, 72-65 win. Uh, Maryville, a quality opponent this year that's played maybe one of the tougher schedules in, in Division Three basketball. They had the OT loss to Roanoke. That was that trip to Nashville, uh, 78-60, uh, sorry, 82-62, uh, 82-76. And then, the, you know, the one real blemish on the schedule is Hampton-Sydney, 83-64. Uh, and then right before getting back in the conference play, they got a really good quality win against an Emory team, um, 79-74. So, you know, two and two against what I would call the, you know, the meat of their schedule. So I think 23 to 25 is a really nice place on the poll for them. I finally got them into the poll this week in that 22-23 spot. 
I'm curious to hear what your guys' thoughts are on Barry and, and as a potential you know tournament team um, coming out of the South. Kiva, I'll let, I'll let you go first. Yeah, they're on my radar, uh, right about 30. Um, I should note that if they would have gone and beat up center on Sunday, I probably would be ranking them right now, but they didn't. And Fair. so I had... I was not going to rank them after they only be sent to my nine. Um, the Roanoke, Hampton, Sydney stretch, which was which was back to back, and their two losses, um, they were up sixteen on Roanoke late. I think ten minutes ago. Um, I that was a it was a fun game to watch. Um, then Roanoke just went to the paint time after time after time and slowly cut into the lead. They didn't take a single three-pointer, and they tied the game, went into overtime, and they had all the momentum. That game was over at that point. So I don't, I don't know really how good they would have played against Hampton Sydney if not for that. I, it's hard to come off of a loss like that the day before. Um, so it's not the greatest. Um, me personally, when trying to evaluate a team, um, if they have a tough loss like that the day before. And they're playing a really good team the next day. I don't. I don't expect you to win. Um, my biggest concern for them is their lack of size offensively, um, which has led to some inconsistency because they kind of have limited options if their guards are on enough off night. But they they move the ball well, so that helps them not have off nights. Um, but that's really my number one concern when it comes to Barry. But yeah, I think they definitely deserve where they are in the poll. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they. Uh, made the Sweet 16. I think they probably have to win their conference tournament to make the NCAA tournament. Um, but they certainly belong in the national discussion for me. Um, see, I have a little bit of a different take on the center. I agree with you. It, you know, Nine points on, on face value is, is maybe not great, but they also that's one of their toughest trips. They had oh, to go oh, out to Sewell. Oh no, I know, I know. I'm just just saying it for for the you know others. You know, had to go to Swanee and then off to center before returning home. Yeah. Uh, to their place, um, I've actually probably got them a little higher than they than I should. Um, there's some that I put stop gaps on, and I don't know if I've necessarily done that with Barry. And admittedly, I've got them in a bad spot with with Hampton Sydney. I've got them actually in the wrong places. So I've got Barry up to 15, and Hampton Sydney sitting behind him. And it's one of those where you d- I didn't think that part through while I was thinking everything else through. Like there were so many other factors involved that I went, oh, forgot Hampton Sydney beat them. I should have them ahead. And that's where they floated up a little too high. Listen, the Hamden Sydney loss now looks pretty dynamite, considering Hamden Sydney has absolutely become um, a, a power team. The loss to Roanoke doesn't look horrible, but again, as you point out, back-to-back nights makes that Hamden Sydney one look a little bit different. And they've been smoking a conference that isn't as competitive as we'd like it to be. They're all fair, fair arguments for where they should be. And and again, I'm sitting looking at them at 15, going, maybe I should have them down a few pegs. I should have Hamden Sydney up. It's those things that get lost while you're focusing on 600 other things in that top 25. So I think you're right. Good debate. I think they're a good team. Are they a 15? Maybe not. Are they a 20 to 25 as, as you suggested, Ryan? I, I think maybe you're probably right. Um, and it's too bad that they might have to win to get in because I think I think they've been a sneaky good team this season. Um, but they're going to have to prove it to prove it. If that may- <laughs> They're literally going to have to prove it twice to make anybody turn their eyes. Uh, Akiva, who's your debatable? Yeah, um, well, we opened the this segment with Ryan giving a shout out to Whitman, who had just come on the show. So I'll, <laughs> I guess I'll close it with giving a shout out to Oshkosh, who came in right before him. 
Nice. Um, By the way, none of this was planned, folks. No, I send not, my invites not, no, before these guys not, give no. answers, and they don't even know who's on the show. <laughs> Dave's very good at it, though. He'll, he'll somehow figure out a way to connect the dots. Yeah. Um, Oshkosh is an interesting one, being yeah. that last year I was publicly not so high on them as a national championship contender. Um, obviously, they had that loss to Case Western um, in the round of 32. But with that said, they were certainly a team which I thought deserved some love in the preseason poll. I had them three behind Macon and Christopher Newport. Given that they returned everyone key except for Eddie Munch, and they are really, really, really talented. Um, and the reason why I'm putting them up here for debate is because they're currently at 17, which feels a little bit low, almost as if they've slowly inched up over the last few weeks because they've won 10 games in a row. But it, they're not playing the same way they are now as they were at the beginning of the year, almost like you have to throw out a little bit of their early season results, which I don't think the voters have done a great job of in this case. I have them at 12, um, but I consider them for a top 10 spot. And in terms of their inconsistency, Dave, you didn't, you didn't bring this one up, but their game against Edgewood, they were only, they were down one at the half. So that's right. a game which they won by like 30 points. But even in some of their wins early in the year, they were struggling. Edgewood is, is not good um, to, to not put good it politely. Um, and, my concerns really started to rise up when they came out of the break and they lost to Marion and Eau Claire back-to-back. Really, the Marion loss was the big one because uh, I was questioning when are they going to find their group because I know they're really talented and I know they can be really good and I expect you to find your groove coming out of the break and it didn't happen. So I was concerned then. But now they've won all their games since. Um, so that's great. And they're shooting 41% from three. And my biggest concern with them last year is that their offense is really predicated on guard play, even though they have a couple of nice bigs. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Levi Porcher, you mentioned um, when you were talking to Matt, also Jonah Reinflesch, really nice big too. Um, but when they played a team in St. Joe's who defends, as we spoke about before, they're, and, and is not big. St. Joe's is not a big team. Um, so you would think potentially that would be a good matchup for Oshkosh. Their bigs were total non-factors in that game. And they shot three for 19 from three because St. Joe's defense. Uh, but so that's, it's concerning to me. That's a general trend, which is concerning to me even now as they've been tearing up their conference when it comes to the national tournament, if they can actually win this thing. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's an elite defensive team and they're uber talented yeah. and they have some nice players. So I don't think that 17 makes so much sense right now, given how they've played of late. No, oh, fair, fair argument. I'll, I'll, I'll have a thought in a minute, but Ryan, yours? I think there are two things why I think Oshkosh is, is so low in the poll and should be a little bit higher. Uh, I think one is is the rough start they got off to uh, yeah. that, that you mentioned. They lost to Calvin early on. They lost to St. Joe. Then the two that really, I think when they fell off of people's Raiders, they lost to Rippon. And then the Marion loss was, was I think, a lot of people kind of forgot about him. I think the second thing is really we've, we've had so much conversation, at least, you know, on Twitter and, 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 and other, you know, D3 Hoops discussions around the UAA this year that we, we've kind of lost track of the WIAC a little bit this year. And, I agree. And that's typically, you know, one of the strongest, most deepest, consistent conferences. Um, and Oshkosh has just very quietly been putting together – you know, the, those 10 straight wins, they've got, you know, Whitewater's on there, lacrosse, you know, it's the whole murderer's row of, of WIAC teams. Um, 
And I think voters are a little bit slow to, to catch up on, on what Oshkosh has been doing after they slid off the radar. Um, as Akiba mentioned, they're balanced, they're elite defensively, but they're, they're also great on the offensive end. I think they're getting better on the offensive end. Uh, and, and quite, I think I have them around that 10-11 spot this week. I, I, I would not be shocked if, if we're talking about Oshkosh going to Fort Wayne here in a couple of weeks. It's interesting because I, I, I've got Oshkosh pretty low. I've got them 24. Um, and actually, I reintroduced them to the poll this week. Um, I, I don't think I lost. I, I don't think I'm leaning on their losses in any way, shape, or form. But to your point, Ryan, I think I lost track of just how well they were playing. You know, you see them win. Okay, they won. But you see all the other YX taking losses that you think to yourself, well, they're, they're going to take another loss, or they must have taken another loss. And you kind of lose track. You go, oh, my Lord, they have won 10 straight. They have kind of the 2023 side of this has been pretty darn good. They're playing really good basketball. That it, that it, I, I totally lost track. Like, it took me researching for the segment to go, Oh my goodness, like they haven't taken the losses that I thought they had, or those losses are further back that my unease at that time that's still percolating now is unjustified. Like I, they should be higher on my poll. So I put them 24 now because it was one of those where I, I was slot that there was my new, my new ad, and I thought to myself, I got to get them into the poll. Could I argue that they deserve to be 10 spots higher? Absolutely. No disrespect, but if I do that, it's gonna. I'm gonna open up a six-hour window <laughs> where I have to reimagine the entire poll. And somebody might say, "Well, that's your job." Yes, but I'd already spent a bunch of hours on it. I had a show to do tonight. There, at some point, I got to cut bait, and and there's 24 other voters. Clearly, I'm gonna spend time this week. Honest to God, I got a couple flights that I can easily do it. Where I'm gonna reevaluate a lot of teams and Oshkosh is, is already at number one on my list because I they are playing better than I think I've had in my notes and in my mind because you don't win 10 straight in this season's Wyack especially if you're not a good team and I've clearly missed that and I'll add I think yeah, as voters we're all you know fall into this a little bit I, I've done the same this year with Oswego and, and getting caught up on, on what Oswego is doing and you know you look at the resume it's not who they're winning games against. It's how they're oh, winning games. They're and, destroying um, teams. Yeah. And, and I'm trying to get caught up on, on where I think Oswego should be. And I'm probably a little bit behind on that one. I think I finally caught them. I've got them uh, eight right now. But I mean, I, I actually thought about jumping them further up. I just had a hard argument to do it when I looked at what they did to Cortland. I was like, wait, you're not only destroying teams in the in the conference you're destroying good teams and it was Brockport's Greg Dunn who was the first one who kind of raised the flag on Oopsel and said um I know we beat them but there's no chance in hell that's happening again <laughs> like well they, they play soon so oh I know I've circled it I've <laughs> circled it I might be out is that this weekend actually yeah I think it's Saturday um I'm gonna be out in in Arizona but I, I'm, I was gonna try and make sure no matter where I'm at even if it's at a college baseball game that I'm that I at least have that game in an earpiece maybe <laughs> so I can pay attention where is it oh that's right Oswego gets listed differently that's why I can't find them yep yeah they play them and then and then Fredonia so um, that'll be a that'll be a good uh, gauge to go uh, guys I've taken a ton of your time I really appreciate it you guys have been great though well in-depth thoughts 
Love it. Absolutely love it. Great insight on those teams that you spoke of. Um, uh, one more question is just what you're expecting moving forward. Um, I don't remember the schedule. Probably the last time we guys – I think we have another crew. We'll get you on at the end of the season, but I think the last time we have you in the regular season. So your thoughts just as we move towards the final fortnight here uh, and then start pivoting towards March. Uh, Poppers, we'll start with you, bud. Uh, this is a tough question. I don't know what to think anymore. Um, <laughs> fair. Absolutely fair. It's it's. There are teams which have already hit their peak, and there are teams which haven't hit their peak, and it's very tough to distinguish between the two. And results will tell the final tale. Um, so I don't know what to expect. No, that. That's a good point. I mean, some of the best teams have won championships, I think, weren't exactly peaked yet um, and found their found their legs at just the right time. Uh, winnable? Yeah, I'm expecting carnage in the bracket this year. Uh, I mean, <laughs> so I, I know we talk about how how good, you know, the, the one seeds are going to be in the pods that are hosting that first weekend. But the twos and the threes this year especially feel like the depth as you go down, you know, we know how hard it is to put together a 25-team ballot. I think the depth as you get down into the 30s and the 40s and 50s is so good this year that the, you know, this happens every year. But the the second-round matchups that we're going to see this year are, are going to be some really good good matchups. And I think we may see a lot of hosts go down in that first weekend this year. And, and you know, bracketing out that 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 sectional weekend is going to be really interesting, I think, with, with some of the results that come out of the opening weekend. No, you're right. Um, you know, we used to joke and talk about uh, brackets of death and how really good teams got knocked out in the first weekend. It's too bad because it could have been better bracketing. Now, we're going to lose really good teams simply because there's so many good teams that can beat everybody. And um, there's going to be someone to shocks, and maybe it shouldn't be a shock, to be honest. Um, it's a fun time, but <laughs> it's also one of those where you just shake your head, staring at the screen, going, I don't know what I'm watching right now. Um, that's happened to me this past weekend too, watching some games. Oh, I mean, Case Western Reserve absolutely rolled over Emory. And I was watching that game going, what am I watching? <laughs> it, 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 some stuff just does. I mean, I've been high on Case. Everyone knows that, but I had him out of my poll. But again, to your point, you know, Emory, I thought, yeah, shows us what we know, right? <laughs> Gentlemen, thanks so much for your time again. Plenty of time you, you wasted with me. I appreciate that. Uh, you guys enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the rest of the season. I know we'll have you on at a later date and get more from you, but uh, I'll see one of you in Fort Wayne. Will I see both? He was there. What'd you say? If she was there, I'll be there. Oh, if she was there. Okay. I, I thought it's, I it's saw a tweet. It's, it's tough. No, I didn't. Sorry. I, I, it's tough for me with, uh, with the way the games are scheduled. Yeah, true. Um, so, yeah. yeah. No, I forgot about that. Yeah. No, I, sorry. I, I thought I got lost track of everybody who's on Twitter going, I'm going. And I'm like, wait, who, I lost <laughs> track of everybody. So, guys, enjoy the rest of the season. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Take care. As Ryan uh, Winnable and Akiva Poppers join us. Way too long. I really appreciate the time they gave us. Uh, and because we've gone so long, I'm going to wrap things up now because this Super Size show was supposed to be over 20 minutes ago. I knew we were going late, but we're even going later. So, this last part is gone without a break. If we have an advertiser, I'd been forced in three breaks by now, but uh, we'll wrap things up now. Um, as Winnable said, 
there, there's going to be all kinds of incredible outcomes between now, uh, not only the end of the regular season, but the end of the of the actual season with the, of the conference title being a um, uh, championship, national championship being um, hoisted up. So every game is going to be fun to watch. Every game is going to be worth tuning into. Every game is going to have some meaning to it. And so even if you have your favorite team or your favorite conference, branch out. Go find another game. Go find another team to watch. Uh, get a couple of teams and, and just sit back and enjoy some really good Division Three basketball. Don't forget, you can go to d3hoops.com. You, we have links to most games, uh, live videos or live stats or both. Um, we obviously have the updated Top 25. We'll have updated game, uh, stories along the way as well. Lots of good content on the website. So please uh, be sure to join. Uh, get on there and, and check it out. Don't forget D3 Boards where we chat about a lot of things. I haven't chatted a lot in the last year, but I'm lurking <laughs> to some degree. Um, and of course, on Twitter, you can. The whole conversation about Division Three is at D Three Hoops. Hoopsville's uh, your other conversational point too. You can use the hashtag Hoopsville there, um, and we appreciate the time that you take to join us and, and chat with us and all of that. So, uh, thanks to everybody uh, who is a part of the Division Three Nation. Uh, it certainly makes it fun, and, and thanks to, to everybody who continues to to enjoy the shows with us as well because it, it means a lot. Um, Again, our fundraiser is now over $2,000. Thanks very much. Our big goal is $5,000. That is coming up. Um, please um, help us move forward with our 20th season here on the program. Uh, we'd, we, we'd love to do more. we got big plans. We're going to spend a lot of the offseason trying to move the program in that direction and finding other ways to make that happen. If you're an advertiser, let us know. If you just want to donate, let us know. If the options we have don't work, contact us. We'll find another option for you any way, shape, or form that we can help uh, and be a part of it. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff ahead of us. Just a heads up, scheduling. Let's talk about that. Uh, this Thursday, 7 o'clock, don't forget, that that is our exclusive. We're not going to do uh, anything else on that night but the top 16 seeds. Uh, for Division Three men's and women's. That is this Thursday, February 16th at 7 o'clock. We will announce this top 16 seeds as they sit after week two's regional rankings on both the men's and women's side. We will talk to both men's and women's national chairs, um, Sarah Quadraki on the men's side, Megan Wilson on the women's side. We'll get their takes on the decisions they made and all of that and what is going on with those decisions and what the, these top 16 seeds represent. What do they mean? A reminder, if you end up in those top 16, or even if you don't, the deadline to get hosting paperwork in is actually coming up on Saturday. Or I'm sorry, on Friday the 17th. Friday the 17th. If you don't have your paperwork in, I can tell you right now, the, the committees are not going to chase people. And so other people will end up being hosts. So that's an important thing. Make sure you get your paperwork in. But if you see your name pop up in the top 16 seeds, I highly suggest you get your paperwork in. And there's certainly circumstances that, that schools will not uh, be able to host for whatever reason. And obviously the women have their the uh, priority in the first weekend. So that will have an impact on things. But that means that if there's a men's team uh, who can't host, they're going to shift that pod. Maybe there's someone way outside the top 16 who has to host because the men, the top men's team in that pod cannot. So even if you're not in that 16, you should be putting your paperwork in, get an opportunity to host a first weekend uh, tournament in the NCAAs. Um, so that's coming up. 
We'll have plenty more on Twitter at D3Hoopsville, on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, et cetera, about those top 16s broadcasts coming up. Uh, we'll even have our own panel talking about the, uh, those choices and who who was who and all of that. Now, that's coming up Thursday. Remember, that's a Hoopsville exclusive. It was on NCA.com last year. The uh, committees chose to move it toward to Hoopsville. We are working our tail off to make that happen, and we want to thank everybody who's helped us do that. So that is coming up on Thursday. Next Monday, we'll be on the air at 7 o'clock Eastern, still crafting that show. I'm literally taking a red eye back from Arizona uh, the night before. Um, I think I get to spend almost up to four hours uh, in the Charlotte uh, airport early Monday morning before arriving home midday or mid-morning here in Baltimore. Um, we will then get up here and do a show. We'll, we'll, we're still figuring out the nuances um, whether how many coaches we have, maybe we do top. Tw- it'll be our last chance to do a top twenty-five um, uh, d- double take because the bracket show. We're not going to do that when we, we're moving towards the tournaments, but um, we'll probably get both on, or we'll figure it out. Maybe we'll save that for the Thursday. We we're working on it. Next Thursday, there's now a chance that that will be an afternoon show. Um, Reason being, is there a chance I may need to be broadcasting a game that night in conference tournaments? So, we said we were done with afternoon broadcasts. Well, I might be wrong. Next Thursday, a week from Thursday, we may be doing an afternoon show. Stay with us. But then the 26th, remember, we're on for our Selection Sunday special. That is on February 26th. We'll be on for countless hours. Um, We'll do most likely women first, where we make our mock selections and who we think uh, is in the tournament. We have to round out our crew for that. Uh, we need to do a little bit of heavy lifting on that. Then on the men's side, we'll do it with our crew on the men's side after that. And in the meantime, behind the scenes, when the women are done, D3 Hoops will bracket that up, uh, the crew behind the scenes. And then when it get, we're done with the men, they'll bracket up our choices there. We're pretty good at this. Our mock selections don't tend to be that wrong. We tend to miss maybe two at the most. I think women, we missed more than that once. But for the most part, if we miss, it's one or two. For the, A lot of times, we've actually hit all of them. So that's a big show. We answer your questions. We hear from the committees uh, as well on that program. So lots to talk about. That's the 26th. Then uh, two weeks from tonight, bracket special. We'll be on the air at 7 o'clock to break down the brackets here again from the committee chairs about or committees, period, about decisions that he made and all of that. So that's the programming. We'll put a nice little graphic together, try and tweet that out on the socials and remind you all about it. But it all starts this Thursday with a blowout exclusive special of the top 16 seeds announced right here on Hoopsville. Uh, let's thank our guests who came on the show tonight. Fred Richter from DeSales, Mark Halsman from Ohio Northern, Josh Leffler from Johns Hopkins, Kelly Thompson from Roger Williams, Matt Lewis from Wisconsin Oshkosh, and John Lamana from Whitman. I want to thank their sports information directors, especially for their support from DeSales. It's BJ Spiegelmeyer and Patrick Jacoby from uh, Ohio Northern. It was Tim Glon. Um, from Hopkins, it was Jill Geis, which gives me a moment to quickly shout out to Scott Geis, the SID at York College of Pennsylvania, um, who has been battling cancer um, for about a year and a half or so now. Uh, had another big um, medical uh, treatment um, recently and is back. Uh, I know Jill is doing an amazing work, not only at her job, but supporting Scott. But Scott is giving up a great battle, too. I just recently lost a college friend to a cancer fight. She beat off uh, breast cancer, but then lost to throat cancer, which came back. uh, And she just died a few days ago. My father had cancer, though that wasn't ultimately the reason he died. And, of course, uh, at Mount Union, we recently lost Lenny Reich. And, of course, at John Carroll, we lost Chris Wensler. 
Uh, and there's others at Montclair, Mike Scala, and others that we've lost to cancer. So the fact that Scott is giving up the good fight and still with us is outstanding. And I wanted to give that moment. I wanted to take a, uh, an opportunity to give Scott a big shout out uh, and thank his wife, Jill, for her big support. Uh, for Roger Williams, I want to thank Nick Jen, uh, Jendo. I, I hope I'm saying your name, last name right, Nick. Thank you for your help. Um, from Wisconsin, Oshkosh, Lenia uh, Kerger, and Brady I can't even read my own handwriting. Halvison, uh, thank you for your help and from Whitman John Barry for your assistance. And then all the sports information directors and staff who are helping us put our top 16 shows together for Thursday. I want to thank you in advance for that as well. That is it. We're wrapping up the show. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Really appreciate you joining us. Please support our program. We will send out tweets and information and all that to help you understand what we're looking for. Um, keep an eye on that. Remember, merchandise is only available through right now through Friday night. We might extend it a couple days if it doesn't affect shipping. If it does affect shipping, we're not extending it. If it doesn't affect shipping, uh, we'll extend it maybe a few more days. But please, help us help you enjoy Division Three basketball. If you don't mind donating to the cause, we certainly appreciate it. If you want to find another way to donate to us, please contact us. We will certainly find a way to make that work. And with that, we wrap things up. Appreciate all of our guests for coming on the show. Appreciate all of you for tuning in. Appreciate the D3 Hoops na uh, Nation for all of your support as well. And uh, lots of good stuff out there. There's lots of programs, not just Hoopsville, so we appreciate you joining us here. But, you know, Bob puts out his QCast. We got the Snyder Brothers who put out their Datacast. Others who are putting shows together i think um if i'm not mistaken um scott peterson and riley zayas are looking to put something together um in, an, in the next few days to kind of get you a landscape of the women's side of things a lot of people doing a lot of work so it, it makes for a crowded atmosphere when hoopsville used to be the only show on the air in division three for many eons it's great that other people want to put this pro the product out there and and provide another avenue in division three that's terrific to see and, in the, and as a result of that, I thank you for tuning into this one as well um, because there's a lot of time to dedicate to those shows and the fact you're taking the time to donate, uh, dedicate to us as well is certainly meaningful. And with that, we're done. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. If you want to watch Division Three basketball, or you want to, if you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to watch or listen to Hoopsville. You've been listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Thanks to our partners, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, who support the women and men in college ranking, especially in in college coaching, especially in Division Three. And a big shout out to Huddle Blue Frame Technology for their support of this show and the streaming capabilities, and of course the staff and everybody, including. Pat Coleman, Gordon Mann, and Ryan Scott at d3hoops.com for their support. We'll be back on air Thursday for the exclusive Top 16 Seeds announcement right here on Hoopsville. It's a must-watch show, and we're looking forward to having you with us as we talk about who are the Top 16 teams in Division Three men's and women's if the tournament were to start this week. You've been listening to Hoopsville. See you on Thursday. <laughs>